0: a story of a dead and lovely. It's a podcast with your friends, Steve and Ben.
1: Take B- Steve. B- And it's true that we are the best podcast. Yes, yes. In the whole fucking world. I think we pretty much Hell destroyed that. that. You got it, man. Yeah. I pass a baton to you. Uh-huh. You seem confident. We didn't say anything about our maid Alice, though, so... No. We kind of failed there.
0: Yeah, yeah. We let Alice down.
1: hmm Didn't mention Joe the Butcher, either. Yeah. they Dude, they were fucking... They was fucking. They were fucking.
0: <laughs> he was pounding some meat.
1: Uh-huh. If you know what I mean? And then he'd go work. Yeah. <laughs> and then he'd
0: go to the butcher shop. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Dead and Lovely listeners, to the greatest horror movie review podcast in this land or any other land. Why it's dead and lovely. Here with the host with the most, it's me
1: uncle ben and me hollywood steve
0: Ooh, you sound ghastly
1: over there yeah. a little ghostly i'm on the way i'm on the way to ghost at a migraine for so the you past feel few like days dying. so i feel like dying yeah damn dude uh-huh. yeah it
0: seems like migraines have been kind of uh in the air lately kate had one last week uh-huh. one of my students just <laughs> That's said what he that had Phil like Collins a three-day song was about <laughs> yeah i can feel it what? Did <laughs> you go, oh Lord? I did say, oh Lord, yeah, <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> and then inside of your head, does it feel like there's always a massive drum fill going, doo, doo, do 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 do, 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 do cha cha? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> pretty, much, pretty
1: accurate. Pretty much what a migraine's wow, like. Wow, yeah.
0: I don't know if I've ever had a true migraine. I had like no. I have had a skull-splitting, like life-ruining headache t- right. twice in my life, but yeah. I don't really get like serial migraines. Like it's something that happens yeah. a lot.
1: Yeah, my it's, it runs in my family. Yeah. Uh, yeah hey, yeah, I, I heard,
0: I heard that, that diarrhea is hereditary. It runs in your genes. <laughs> You know what I mean? You get it? Yes, I,
1: I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I got it. It's kind of like it. that. Kinda like it's a that. lot like that. It now that it's like it. diarrhea, but in your brain. <laughs> brain diarrhea. So you've had the, uh, the old migraines for quite yeah. some time, huh? Well, just, yeah, like we were supposed to record yesterday, but I got a migraine yeah. that the night before, and my head just, like, like, you can't see bright lights. You can't think. Like, having to think. Like, like if you pick up your toothbrush to brush your teeth and you drop your toothbrush, like, that's cataclysmic when you have <laughs> a migraine because you're like, what the fuck do I do now?
0: <laughs> if that's the case, I must have a migraine all the time, Steve. <laughs> there's, there's nights where I... I slip into bed and I put my feet under the sheets and I feel like a ragged toenail scrape the sheet. Yeah, and I'm like, God damn it, take me now, <laughs> take me now. I can't handle this. Serenity now, <laughs> yeah, serenity now. <laughs> Do yours like make you have to like yak and stuff? Do you get the throw up headaches?
1: I, have it has made me nauseous before and I was I was pretty nauseous. I would say yesterday. Yeah. Normally, what it does, like it, it starts like. At the base of my, my skull, yeah. on the left side, I start to feel my neck tighten up. And here's the here's the full and honest truth about most of my migraines. Yes. They're caused by sex. This like, is very, very fucking crazy to yeah. me.
0: Is that a thing that happens to other people? Yeah, or sex are migraines you, are a thing. That's a thing. Yeah. God damn! That sounds just horrible.
1: Uh, it only really happens to me when there's enough atmospheric pressure. It never happened in L.A., I don't think. Really? Yeah, but it, it's happened here in the South several times. But Dude. it's just like hardcore atmospheric pressure like we've had thunderstorms the past few days. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, it's like my brain is already being pushed by the atmospheric pressure and stuff. And then the blood pressure rise from having sex meets that. Yeah. And what happens is I start to feel it like happening at the base of my skull and I have two choices. Because <laughs> it <laughs> happens right when I'm a getting close to ejaculating. Yeah. So I have two choices. It's either jazz Choice tone. one, I can ejaculate and have an um, insanely God damn. brain like scrambling headache. Yeah. Or I can not ejaculate and still have a headache, but it's not nearly as bad. And sore testicles. <laughs> yeah. It's well, just no a feel- a feeling of not completing. Uh, yeah. Dude, this is the worst. It's the worst because it's real hard to make that choice yeah. at that moment. Yeah. It's real hard to make the choice to <laughs> say, okay, we got to stop. Yeah. 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 God, that is
0: absolutely awful. I, yeah, didn't know, I didn't know that this was like a thing.
1: It is a thing. It is a thing that some people have to deal with, unfortunately. <laughs> it's not cool. I don't like it.
0: Well, after you told me you weren't feeling good yesterday, I did send some thoughts and prayers to you. Did they, did they yeah, get there? I, oh, yeah.
1: I got those. <laughs> yeah. Did I put a <laughs> postage on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Did I it, got the thoughts. I got some prayers. Did it do anything to you? Oh, yeah. Immediately. Yeah? Well, yeah. I, in fact... As I was reading it, there were people nearby who I guess had been killed in a mass shooting who yeah. just rose up from their graves. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
0: pretty cool. And all the guns that, that future murderers were holding just vanished into thin air. Yep. And they Gone. said, God damn these thoughts and prayers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and their prayer wasn't heard. Yeah. Oh. So they, they asked God to damn the thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Didn't work that time. You think that's what happens every time? Is the thoughts and prayers are canceled out by the other side thoughts and prayers? That's a good point, because if they work for some people, they should work for everybody, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. They think and pray. Oh, guns are too important.
0: Yeah. I hope I get to keep my guns, they say.
1: Oh, Jesus. Please save my guns. (laughs)
0: So, cancels them out. Okay. I'll get a pull to that. All right. What are we drinking on? (laughs) Okay. So, this is a beer that was brewed by my main man joe roland joe roland who's been a very dear friend of mine for a very long time we played in music bands for many years together. He plays a a, a daddy guitar. He plays the big guitar, plays yeah. them daddy notes mm-hmm. down low. Indeed yeah. he does, man. And he is just an A1 guy. He's steak sauce. He he's steak A1. sauce. He's yeah.
1: A1. He's Heinz 57. Uh-huh. Throw him on there.
0: He's just a good old boy. <laughs> Never <laughs> meaning no harm. I would
1: say that's true.
0: I've been wanting to watch some Dukes of Hazzard lately. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it was because I, old I, them old Duke boys are it again. Yeah. yeah. I was listening to an episode of uh, uh, Ear Biscuits, which uh-huh. is Rhett and Link's, podcast, Rhett and Link's podcast, yeah, and they were talking about like their favorite TV shows or whatever, and they spent a lot of time talking about the Dukes of Hazard. And it amused me endlessly because, like, they were saying how I just thought it was called the Dukes of Hazard. Like, yeah. not Dukes of Hazard, like yeah. Hazard County. It's the Dukes of Hazard.
1: Yeah, I that's how that we all too. say it. When yeah. I was a little, Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, Dukes of yeah. Hazard. I never really. You see it written down and you're like, wait, what? Dukes of Hazard? Yeah, it never <laughs> made
0: sense to me. So, anyway, Joe is just a good old boy. He's never meaning no harm. Nope. And he's making himself a pull of his own hmm. at home.
1: He's all you ever saw been in trouble with the law <laughs> since the day he was born.
0: Joe's been homebrewing for quite some time and he gives himself pulls at home frequently i bet could you imagine if you make your own beer at home and you can just give yourself pulls whenever you want i'd be
1: pulling all the time i would i would be fatter
0: (laughs) i
2: feel
1: like (laughs) i would definitely drink way more beer than i currently do because i love a beer like beer's so refreshing yeah it's not even about like getting drunk or anything with beer it's like i just love the taste it tastes good yeah and then you have a bunch of them, and you're like, i, I am drunk.
0: Also drunk. <laughs> yeah, I drunk. <laughs> I drunk." <laughs> so this is uh, Joe's Sun King, which is uh-huh. a new single, uh, single hop New England IPA he made. All it's right, just based on the old Mosaic, which happens to be a one of my uh, yeah, favoritos. Big fan. We had one of these the other night. I actually, gave me one the other night. Whenever we were watching Razzlemania. Oh yeah. Which uh, the best part of the night was this beer.
1: Okay. WrestleMania yeah. not so great this year.
0: Yeah. Honestly, though, even if it was a great WrestleMania, I'd say the best part of the night was this beer because this beer is fucking great. What do you think about that, that it good? It is great. It's totally got that yeah, kind of fruit mosaicy, punchy, mm-hmm. mosaic-y thing going yeah. on. Yeah. I the think the it has a,
1: it, it's a bit more citrusy than some mosaics.
0: I think so, too. Yep. I'm not exactly sure how or why i don't know anything about that kind of process but i mean it's great like yeah that's a good beer it's not just good for like oh some guy made this at home no 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 he did that's a good, a good job beer. I like, drink it's just that. really good yeah if yeah. i was at the store i would buy it oh, yeah. frequently mm-hmm. it's so good yeah way to go joe hey joe <laughs> Where you with that beer, that beer in yours. your hand <laughs> gonna get some friends drunk <laughs> that kind of fell apart i'll, I'll need, another swing, yeah, need right. another swing at <laughs> that one yeah wrestlemania was pretty much a bore we went it over sucks. to my buddy josh's place and just ate a bunch of pizza and hung out i mean just getting hanging hang yeah. with friends and stuff was the best part really yeah i mean honestly it's like we never sit down and literally watch all six hours or whatever right. of WrestleMania. it's just a lot of chilling and hanging and Laughing at bad bumps and stuff like that.
1: WrestleMania is what the NFL team owners want the Super Bowl to be. Yeah, like hardly anything about the wrestling. <laughs> it's just a big pageant. Yeah, that's just about keeping people's eyes on the screen for as long as you can. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean, there were some good spots and stuff in there, but overall, yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty weak. I didn't. We we
0: left before it was over. We didn't mm-hmm. see the main like the main match or anything like that but it was
1: all right. it was good hanging with everybody I think the large like the people that do watch Wrestlemania a large number of them are they don't pay attention to wrestling regularly right yeah and they they don't want to see the big bumps or anything yeah they don't want it to get too brutal so the thing
0: is like I only occasionally watch wrestling anymore like I really only watch it for the big events whenever we go watch them with Josh and stuff I don't really get to watch it on the regular or anything, but mm-hmm. I still want to see some hardcore well, yeah, slobber knockers. Yeah, yeah I want to see some slobber knocking, man.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, I was interested in seeing the uh, Ronda rousey becky yeah. match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only one that I'm interested in seeing, but the rest of it's... and what? Are, I don't know, Kofi Kingston, didn't he win the title? He did, which yeah. was awesome. That's that is one really of those cool. things that, yeah. like...
0: It was actually a pretty good match, too. That guy's yeah, a really I'm good performer. Kofi Kingston's a great wrestler. Yeah, he was really good. And uh, you know we were watching it and he won and uh Josh who's like a, a huge wrestling guy he was like holy cow he's like I can't believe he won. Yeah. And I hadn't really thought about it but it's like there's not really been a lot of like black champion yeah.
1: wrestlers like we've yeah. always we've always had black wrestlers in WWE claim you know because they own the WCW and yeah. the old NWA stuff they claim Ron Simmons Right, right. Seventy-eight, I think. Ron Simmons was the first person to hold a major, first black guy to ever hold a major right uh, wrestling promotion title. Seventy-eight, yeah. And then it didn't happen again for like a long time. It didn't happen again until like Booker T. I don't think. I don't even know if Booker T held a belt. I'm not sure. He held the he held the he held the WCW title for a while, and then when they merged, yeah, he held the secondary title. Like you know how there's like the world title and then the I don't know, traditional International or yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. He had that for a while too. Okay. And then also Mark Henry held that belt. Okay. But again, that wasn't, that was now the secondary title. It wasn't now, it wasn't as major as, as the title that Kobe Kingston won. Right. And so then I cool. guess also the rock is half black.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Half black. Absolutely. And he's
1: won several titles. Oh yeah. 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 He's kind of a big deal. He is a pretty big deal, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was a huge deal. Kofi Kingston won the fucking title. First black man to hold the title for the WWF like At all. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Good for him. It was cool, too. He brought
0: like his kids in the ring and stuff. Yeah. Pretty badass, man. Yeah, it's a real pretty cool awesome. thing. What you been watching this week, Steve? See
1: anything good? Yeah. You know, we... Last week, we did the streaming thing where we watched the Joe Bob stream on, on Shutter. Yeah. Joe Bob Briggs's. What is it called now last drive-in right and you know we we did a, a facebook chat while we all did it well this week i didn't even think about it but then dave bichet
2: oh yeah just jumped on right. the chat
1: and was like hey we doing this Our so man, i was dave. like all right i really didn't have anything pressing to do so i was like cool i hate that i've not gotten to do one of these man the first one was when should... i was in california and this last yeah. one was when we were playing a
0: skank banger show we had yeah. a crazy sold out skank banger oh, right, show right yeah god it was you awesome you could I probably could have laid out of that. Let Davey Stranger play guitar. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So, what did you guys watch on the stream?
1: Uh, So, they showed Q the Winged Serpent. Now, that is a Uh weird fucking movie. Had you ever seen it before? No. That's and by the guy that did so the stuff. The stuff, yeah. which is
0: also a very normal yeah. movie.
1: I like the <laughs> stuff a lot. I think Q the Winged Serpent is is probably just more weird and less Yeah. It's good. less of like
0: a story and stuff yeah. too. Yeah. And it's
1: like it's like so weird cuz there's so much of it is the cops and uh, people from the city negotiating with a guy to figure out where a dragon is. Also there's a dragon in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is a really
0: strange. And I don't even know if it's necessarily one of those that I'll say like I love that movie. No, but I think it's worth watching. Like, that sure, guy,
1: check it out because it's weird as hell. Yeah,
0: I yeah. can't remember his fucking name. He just died recently. Yeah, the guy that Michael wrote Cohen. It and stuff. Michael Cohen. Michael <laughs> Cohen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you've never seen the stuff, I strongly recommend checking that it has,
1: out. Uh, it stars this uh, Michael Moriarty, who is also the yeah. star of Q, the Winged Serpent. Yeah. And he is insane. I'm pretty sure he's the perfect
0: actor to make that guy's
1: movies. Yeah. Because
0: he wouldn't need somebody normal.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Did you like it? Q, it was fine. I, yeah. I didn't really care. But then the second movie they showed was Society. I've been wanting
0: to hear about your thoughts on I had not watched it yet. Yeah, that was my yeah.
1: first time seeing it. Man, it was great. I liked it a lot. <laughs> it was weird as hell.
0: Oh, my God, dude. My
1: favorite line from it. Emily and I both decided we were going to start saying this. Fuck you, butthead.
0: Yeah. I guess I am a butthead. Yeah.
1: How <laughs> fucking
0: weird is that movie? That
1: so weird. I think we talked
0: about it on, like, uh, one of our videos about, like, best stuff streaming on Amazon or something like uh-huh. that. And I think I was just talking yeah, about you it. Were you were telling me I should it. watch
1: it. And I, I, I was going to hold off until we were going to cover it on yeah. the show. Uh, which, I mean, may happen in May. We're going to have a vote. Oh, so. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody might uh, choose Society as one of our grime May episodes. But, uh, uh, yeah, I was going to wait until then, but I was like, well, it's coming on, and yeah. I'm doing this chat thing. I'm just going to watch it. Got to go for it. I dug it, man. It was weird as hell. It Brian Yosna is, is uh, an interesting director. His yeah. Return of the Living Dead 3 is him, oh, and that's it's his really too, cool. Yeah. I like it. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. It definitely had a lot to say. And <laughs> yeah. Joe Bob had a lot of insight into it. Apparently, oh, this, cool. one of the screenwriters grew up in Beverly Hills. And he said all of the characters in the uh, screenplay were based off of people he actually knew. Really? Yeah. <laughs> My God, man. Yeah.
0: There's just so much weird, icky, gross stuff right. in the movie. I mean, not yeah. even counting the last like weird skin-melding orgy oh, yeah, scene or whatever. The yeah. shunt. The shunt. <laughs> How about whenever that guy like uppercuts that dude through his butthole and is like, yes, <laughs> fist comes out of his mouth, like, what? Holy shit! That's crazy. That movie is crazy nuts, uh, dude. I'm glad you enjoyed it.
1: I did. I liked it a good bit, and <laughs> I, I will be happy to cover it in the future. Yeah, man, it, there was a lot going on there. <laughs> there is a lot
0: going uh, on there, no doubt, man.
1: I watched, uh, I watched Anvil: The
0: Story of Anvil yeah. the other night.
1: Would you find out about him?
0: What I found out about
1: Anvil is that they were
0: on the break of making it big right before the big four of fresh right. metal came out. Right. Anvil like influenced Anthrax, Megadeth, uh-huh. Metallica Slayer, influenced all those bands, but just never really quite made it over the edge. Didn't do it. It was a really cool documentary about, you know, basically what they're all doing now and them like kind of struggling with leading yeah, still kind of leading like nine to five kind of normal jobs Ugh. and stuff like this. God damn. But then getting to go out and like tour and play on the weekends and they still have some hardcore fans yeah. and stuff. But then they put together this like tour with a new manager that was just awful. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it was like, it was inspiring and sad Yeah, to watch. Like it was inspiring to see that these guys are all, you know, in their 50s and still just... You know, love playing music and are passionate about right. playing music. They're like, we don't really care if we're going up to play to 100 people. Right. You know, we're just going to do what we do. And, um, yeah. So it's inspiring in that way, but also just pretty sad to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, uh, that is a, a fear that I have yeah, constantly. Yeah. yeah. Is almost being there. Right. Like getting, uh, getting right to a point where you could be one of those that makes it yeah yeah but you just don't <laughs> you just don't Fail, just not, failure to launch yeah failure to launch and then it just never takes off ever yeah that's crazy that
0: that'd be a bit of a letdown
1: it's a bit, it would be it would be dude i'll tell you what i am already just like wore out
0: tired we uh we just kind of started getting serious about putting our, our house on the market yeah. and stuff selling and buying a place in the big city and stuff and so we spent the last, like, two days just really thoroughly, like, cleaning, 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 yeah. and trying to declutter and
1: stuff like that. Dude. Getting like, your Marie Kondo on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What's that? <laughs> it's a Netflix thing that okay. made everybody throw a bunch of stuff away,
0: basically. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to do that. Yeah, it's that kind of thing, dude, where, you know, you don't realize just how much bullshit junk you acquire. Yeah until you start trying to hide it from a realtor <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it sucks man the whole process of just like getting ready to try to like sell a house and yeah all that jazz it sucks so bad but at the same time you know i could see myself being the kind of person that would hesitate and wait and be like oh we're not we're not ready yet Blah. yeah because that's just how i am yeah you know just kind of like uh, I get anxious about change and stuff yeah. like that. But, like, just this whole process sucks so bad that I'm like, let's just fucking rip this band-aid and get it over with. Yeah, I want it to be done, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like, I just can't wait to kind of be back uh-huh. to normal life of just, like, yeah, you know, getting back into I a normal routine. I imagine,
1: like, seriously, most of the stuff you do is in Knoxville. All it's going to do yeah. is make your life... Exactly, <laughs> you right. Just give you an extra hour... To do yeah. anything other than drive to Knoxville. Exactly. Well, I mean, I was thinking
0: about it last week, and I think between Kate and I both, like, I believe we made about 10 trips total to Knoxville. Yeah. It just sucks. It's like, I'm in Morristown two days a week to yeah. teach, just two days. Mm-hmm. And then all the other times I'm at home or in Knoxville. Yeah. And that's it. It's like, there, it just doesn't make any sense for me to live here. Yeah. You know, so I'm really looking forward to like, being in a new place it'll be easier for Mm -hmm. you oh yeah easier for all of my work as a musician and stuff (laughs) i was
1: gonna say i think everything you do basically centers around oh yeah
0: so i'm excited about it it should be easy to sell our place and stuff so it should be a pretty quick transition i just gotta make sure we got ourselves a baller pad man
1: yeah well obviously you don't wanna you don't move into a shithole no uh uh-uh no so i don't know i feel like we're we
0: have some specific stuff in mind that we want, but, yeah. but at the same time, it's like since we don't plan on having kids and shit like that, it's like yeah, we don't need a bonus playroom. We don't need it right. to be in a zoned for the school. That district makes it we want. so much easier. Fuck yeah. yeah, it does.
1: Yeah, I I would say for sure that not having to worry about school district is mm-hmm. one of the one of the things that I appreciate most about not being a parent because right. like. I that's know an issue if, yeah if i had kids i would well i would be insistent that they get the best education possible like that's one of the I, like i think a lot of people that don't want to have kids is because we see like what it actually made like the responsibility Damn actually the is yeah no doubt like what the fuck like, I know. that's because like i know how i would do it yeah and it would be so much stress and anxiety oh constantly. yeah dude fuck yeah um uh, that would be tough. Man,
0: I'll tell you what, Steve, we're going to be talking about Jacob's Ladder. That's today. the one. That's the one yeah. that we're going to be talking about. People have been asking for this movie for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to see this movie. Yeah, Ryan for a long time, too. specifically
1: requested this and he gave us beers, so we're doing it. So that's what you get. Yeah. Use that as a reminder, folks. Yeah. You know? We'll be do- we'll be doing one that uh, Roger Correct. One
0: hand washes the other, That's as true. They say. That's how it works. Now, I'm just going to say, I don't even think that we can go forward even from this point before we step into the preview palace.
2: Welcome to the preview
0: palace. Without giving up any spoilers or anything about this movie. Right. So, I think before we even step into our pre-show kind of segment right here, I just want to tell everybody, if you've not seen this movie you should definitely fucking see you it you should
1: watch it and, and watch it before you listen to the podcast but yes it's streaming on Amazon and Shutter. yeah um, so you have no excuse yeah but we're we're gonna spoil the absolute dog shit out of it like we do everything yeah so, exactly yeah. Uh, yeah do it do it for uh, yourself it's a good movie do it for the children worth watching yeah uh, really fucking awesome yeah one of the main themes of the movie You.
0: Yeah. is about what happens to us after we shuffle loose this mortal coil. Yeah. So I think before we get yeah. into a review portion of the episode, Steve, I would really like to spend some time here with some of those doggone wizards and witches
1: at BuzzFeed. Yeah, this one in particular must be a, a, a Christian witch.
0: <laughs> a white witch. Because she
1: knows if you're going
0: to heaven or hell. I'd like to know about that, Steve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get us through a couple of questions here, and we're going to find out just where it is we're going. Into the great beyond. After we shuffle loose, I'm Oh, no. he's back. <laughs>
1: all right, See, first question we have on the quiz here. Do you tip
0: your servers well?
1: Yes, I've been a server. Anybody who's been a server that doesn't tip well is a sadist.
0: I totally agree. Mm. If you can't afford to tip, don't fucking go eat out yeah
1: don't i mean the real solution to this is not that everybody in america should know that servers make 213 an hour and that uh they are relying on your chips to yeah. make a living wage it, it, what should really happen is the law should change and that shouldn't be legal and businesses should pay the servers a living wage and that would tips be okay. should just be eliminated completely or that. Yeah, maybe that. I, Tips nobody, included in the price of the Nobody track. should have to deal with the goddamn constant anxiety that every asshole on the street can walk in and be your boss and determine your wage for an hour. Yeah. Maybe you're worth two dollars
0: and thirteen cents. Maybe you are. For the hour that I'm here. Yeah. I mean that's fucking garbage. That is. People that don't tip are garbage <clears> people. Yeah, are,
1: but tipping is a terrible, terrible thing. That should be destroyed completely maybe it's that you might yeah. be rusty i guess if you rusty. just want to give somebody extra money that's fine yeah but like but you shouldn't have to have that so you can pay your fucking yeah, bills exactly you know
0: yeah because i mean you could strike out you could go an entire week with everybody sure. deciding that you make two dollars this week yeah you it does it
1: really rarely has much to do with you oh like, yeah. yeah rarely because most servers are competent and get the job done just fine totally man yeah Do you put empty containers back in the fridge, Ben? I have been known to do this. Well, actually, I'll put it this way:
0: I don't know that I do, but sometimes drunk Ben
1: does. Oh, drunk Ben does that. Yeah,
0: it's usually not me. Yeah, sometimes he writes
1: checks that I can't cash. I um, I think the only time that I do this is with the uh, water jug. Yeah, you know, with the the filtered water pitcher. Yeah, sometimes I will put it back in after I give water to my dog and then go to feed her. I'll put it back in and then I forget like an mm, idiot yeah. and then Emily wants me to die in a fire. <laughs> but normally, I do not. Okay.
0: <laughs> do you refill the
1: ice trays? Uh, we don't do ice trays. Yeah.
0: yeah. We, we've had an ice maker since we lived here, but I have lived in a house yeah. that had ice cube trays Yeah. and I was very bad at refilling them.
1: Yeah. Partially because I rarely ever use ice. Um, yeah, when we were in L.A., yeah, I'm real bad at refilling them, too. Because it's like, you know, you when I was little, you would do that thing where you'd get a couple of ice cubes and then put water back in. And then the next person that goes to get ice cubes is like, what the fuck? Yeah, you get put water, water and everywhere. stuff everywhere. Yeah, that's a real pain in the ass, man. It is a real pain in the ass. But, God, that's the only time I'm going to remember to refill the ice trays right after I use some ice. Exactly. So I'm it, real bad at it. All right. Do you tell people when their fly is down? I don't ever notice.
0: I do. Really? I look at dicks all the time.
1: I like. I j- I never, ever notice if someone's fly is down. Yeah? But I'm very glad when people tell me my fly is down. Yeah. It's nice of them. I think so. Yeah, so that's why I do it for other people, too, because yeah. I, I usually do notice. Yeah. Do you try to pay with exact change when you can? What? Yeah, totally. I'm one of the few people in America that still uses cash. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, I always use card. Yeah. So that is exact change though. Right. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. But whenever you do
0: have cash, do you try to use? Or are you if like if I ever have
1: cash, I immediately use it. Yeah. Immediately want to get rid of it. Cause I just don't I know Burn I'll a lose hole it. In your pocket. I know I'll lose it. Yeah. That happens like sometimes. Huh. I will just like a lot of times, uh, I'll put on a pair of pants I haven't worn in a long time and be like, oh, it's like twenty bucks in here. Hmm. Like I forget about it immediately. it's not a great memory. I you need think. you a good billfold. To keep your folding cash from coming unstalled. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it sounds like you need a good old billfold. All right, next we got, do you ever RSVP
1: maybe to Facebook events? I, I, well, our answers are yup or I try not to. I try not to. Like, I'll just say no if I'm not going right. to go, but like. I do RSVP maybe to things that I do want to go to and then forget about trying to make sure I can go to. Yeah.
0: That's... You just kind of described my situation. Yeah. I'm going to go with a yup. I've been known to respond with a maybe. Yeah. And oftentimes forget, sometimes not, but usually... Yeah. Usually I'm a terrible person. I'm a trash bag. (laughs) Total trash
1: bag. At the laundromat already. I never go there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you take other people's loads out of the machine so you can wash your stuff? Yes. Always. I've
0: never been to a laundromat ever. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I've I've been to a laundromat a a
1: million times. Like growing up when we lived in apartments and like in LA. um, So so like when you take somebody's stuff out of the machine, where do you put it? In a, a basket or something? There's just baskets there? Yeah. They have like carts there usually i guess if i was
0: there i would do that because i'm not just gonna stand around and wait for somebody to do their shit Yeah, and i
1: think a lot of people just expect it yeah a lot of people like they'll leave and not come back for hours right they wouldn't expect somebody to just not be able to use a machine yeah yeah so i'm gonna say always because i think i would if i did i think you should if you do do you post photos that your friends look ugly in but that you look amazing in Probably, I think I've probably put up some like photos of me playing with a band where I look cool and other people didn't. I um, I do not like if somebody doesn't want me to post a photo, I just won't. Because first off, I rarely post photos. Yeah, I was gonna say myself. you're not a big photo poster. Nope, I just don't want people to know what it looks like. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> trying to be trying to be an invisible presence in the world. Invisible no, Steve. I I don't know what it is. I I just don't think I don't think we need to see some person every single day. Do you ever get freaked out when you look at somebody's like Facebook
0: profile or Instagram page and it's like literally just pictures, just pictures of, them. of themselves yeah. over and over and over yeah. and over and over? They're,
1: yes, I do, obviously, because that is the reason why I don't post. <laughs> because like yeah. To me, it's so creepy. It's like Me too. It's like going to somebody's house
0: and they have pictures of themselves hanging up. Yes. And like they're the only person that lives there. One
1: time, quick story, Emily and I went to this party. Yeah. Um, I won't say where in case somebody who was at the party is listening, but... This person had just moved into this apartment with her boyfriend. They had been together for, I believe, six months. Okay. The apartment was covered in pictures of the two of them. All right. Not just covered as in like every room had one. I mean, like every wall of every room was covered in pictures of the two of them. My God. They had done something, I assume, every single day they were together. <laughs> to go take a picture like
0: <laughs> they're gonna run insane. out of walls real
1: fast yes they Holy were already cow. it was crazy and yeah like that i'm always like i don't think that people that do that are bad i just think it's weird i just think they're not me yeah they're very strange because they're not <laughs> me <laughs> that's
0: funny steve have you ever stolen a twitter joke and pretended it was yours no
1: and i've uh taken off Twitter jokes when I have found out that somebody had posted something similar before. Yeah? Yeah. Because even though I didn't steal it, it's not cool. Don't yeah. take somebody else's stuff. There you go. Yeah. I, I probably have by accident. Yeah. You know, where it's just I mean, I like... Think, well, because people think alike, and a lot of stuff you write on Twitter or whatever is like, uh, in the zeitgeist at the time, yeah, Everybody's exactly. Thinking about it, yeah. yeah. So there's
0: probably been a lot of stuff where it's just yeah. like something struck me as funny, but I didn't remember who said it.
1: Yeah, that's probably happened. I'm that's gonna, why, Oh yeah, that definitely. Because I listen to podcasts all the time. It'll happen all the time that I'll yeah. I'll think of something and be like, man, that's real funny. And then I realize, like, oh right, I heard that on a podcast three years ago. <laughs> yeah, I
0: listened to a pretty good podcast the other day while I was while I was cleaning what up it was? And stuff. I listened to Behind the Bastards. Behind the Bast. Have you listened to that show? It's oh, it's, great. oh, it's a history show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, yes, I just listened about to it. like terrible people, like dictators and despots yeah. and stuff. Uh-huh. They had a two-part R. Kelly episode. Oh man, man, it's fucked up. It's fucked up, man. That he, guy he should does want to piss on you. Probably under a jail. Probably. Yeah. yeah. They talked about his like secret marriage to like a 15 year old Aaliyah, when he was like 27. Yes. All kinds of wild and Her shit, first yeah. album
1: was titled Age, age Ain't Nothing But a Number.
0: All of those R. Kelly song titles get really, really that much creepier. Yeah. Whenever you take into account that he's definitely a pedophile.
1: Yeah. Ebophile, technically. Pedophiles out there would be so upset with you. What, what's the difference? Uh, it is a, a person who is attracted to uh, people who are in puberty,
0: but not uh, of age.
1: A pedophile is someone who likes kids. Pre- since really yeah that's the difference yeah what's the word again ebophile ebo ebophile.
0: yeah Ugh. yeah man a friend of mine showed me a video of r kelly doing some kind of benefit concert it was just a couple of years ago uh-huh. and he's in i want to say it's somewhere like south america or south africa yeah and the band is like jamming and he's like singing this soulful song Uh huh. and seriously it's do you got your passport? Did you get your vaccinations? Do you want to come to America with R. Kelly? Oh, no. Seriously. And he just says those words like over and over. Do you have your passport? Did you get your vaccinations? Do you want to come to America with R.
1: Kelly? Jesus Christ. It's like
0: nuts. I'll show you later. It's nuts,
1: dude. I mean, that, that's like that's like pointing out someone in the crowd to get them backstage. But like you gotta kidnap them, them. <laughs> to a different country <laughs> <laughs> and put them in a sex cult.
0: <laughs> what? Yeah,
1: it is oh, strange,
0: man. dude. Okay, last wait—is there a last one? Okay, yeah. yeah. Do you ever express strong opinions about about a book you haven't read? Yes. Me too.
1: Yeah, I absolutely have because I have two degrees in English literature. And that is, <laughs> oh, I'm not bragging. Oh, I'm saying oh. getting a degree in English literature, half of it is expressing strong opinions about books you've never <laughs> read. I uh,
0: I openly shit on all holy books in the world, and I've not read them, so I oh, have yeah. to say
1: yes on this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I openly shit on them, but I have read them. Yeah, yeah. I've read I've read the Old Testament, and New Testament, cover to cover. Yeah, I've read the New Testament itself so many times. Right. I read the Book of Mormon. Yeah, obviously. Did you read
0: a Dianetics by chance?
1: I haven't read Dianetics, but I have read the Bhagavad Gita. I've read the the Quran. Yeah, Tao Te Ching. I've read. I, I think I've read most of the major. What you trying holy to books. read for? I. Well, we'll get into it with this episode. <laughs> I, think I so, guess. Yeah. Yeah. There's, some,
0: there's definitely some literary references all over Jacob's yeah. Ladder. Mm-hmm. All right, Steve. Apparently. Sorry, but I'm going to hell is my answer. <laughs> what? Yep, I'm going to hell, we Steve. we
1: answered pretty much the same on most questions, and I got, yep, you're bound for the pearly gates. Oh, so, man. Um, I'm guessing Susanna Cristalli really knows our hearts, and she knows about what you did. With the ice cube trays. Yeah. I think you're probably right. <laughs> that was it. I probably deserve
0: it, honestly. That's yeah, true. <laughs> I'm pretty much a trash bag of a human. <laughs> 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 All right, Steve, now that we have those... Pressing answers about what will happen to us after we suffer lose <laughs> this Guys, always showing up. <laughs> <laughs> I think before we start getting into our review portion here, yeah, I I need me a poll,
1: man. Let's get an ultimate poll. I
0: am beyond stoked. This is going to be the pull
1: of all polls. This is a a brew by Bearded Iris and Burial. Probably my two favorite breweries yeah. on the East Coast. Okay. And they've done a double IPA that's got some hibiscus, raspberry, rooibos. What's I don't know that? what that is. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> Vanilla and lactose. It's called Lunar Fire. Hot fire. I am excited for this. And uh, Roger Dean Miller gave us this, provided by the private estate of yeah. RDM, the notorious seven point five percent abv. I believe they premiered this. Just a couple months ago at their anniversary party or something, yeah, I think that's right. And and uh, Roger made sure to get us a couple, and I'm excited for this.
0: What a good old boy he is! He's just a good old
1: boy. boy, never meaning no harm unless you're a rich asshole. It's almost the at color a bar. of grapefruit juice, it, it has a pinkish yeah. tinge to it.
0: Wow, now whenever breweries do like a collaborative thing like this. I imagine that they're doing it like in tag teams, where one of them's like stirring the hops and stuff, in yeah, the thing yeah. he's getting like the other so guys exhausted, on the corner, just like come on, yeah, come on, tag he's me in, tag me in, tag. And, and he's like crawling towards him, his hands reaching uh-huh. out, it's shaking, he, oh, tags, him, he tags, the other guy he gets, he gets he
1: comes in it, oh, hopping
0: oh. the shit out of it. <laughs> I imagine that's what goes on whenever they do collaborative brews.
1: You have to assume.
0: I mean, because otherwise, what's going on? They're just like, I don't know, bring some hops over. Oh, I brought some yeast, like. It seems like it would be very disorganized otherwise, you know. It does. I'm so excited about this. It it didn't bring up a big old frothy no, head.
1: No, yeah, not much of a head, but it's it is juicy thick. Like, yeah, you cannot see any light through that. It
0: smells phenomenal. Like it's it's like a foot from my face, and it smells amazing. It smells floral and citrusy. How's that treat you? Oh, that is
1: whoa. That is way different than I thought it was gonna be. Holy
0: good lord. Whoa, the yeah. aftertaste is crazy Yes, it is. Like initially, whenever I, I had that first sip of it, it's like this tastes like something I've had at burial. Mm-hmm. But then the aftertaste, maybe it's that hibiscus Ooh. or the raspberries or something. Yeah. I have no idea what that tastes like. It has like a very much like a raspberry cream savory aftertaste. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It does. Like raspberry cream savory for sure. But Holy it's like super juicy.
0: Yeah. And also, wow. 7.5% alcohol. It's not even remotely boozy at all. No,
1: it just tastes like an awesome juice. A delicious juice bar cocktail.
0: Yeah. Holy moly. Lightly effervescent. Not very, like,
1: fizzy. No. At all. No. It's, yeah, it's grapefruity and, and cream savory and raspberry y. That's wow.
0: dope. It's crazy because, like,. It really does taste like a burial beer and a bearded iris beer. Yeah,
1: it does. It really tastes That's like both of them. That's what you get when you're tag teaming it. When one of you is stirring while the other's like, how about some hops? Boom! Do you think they do like cool
0: like combo moves
1: the way that tag team yes, wrestlers do? I do think that. I think
0: there's probably one where I think like. one of
1: them's like, bearded iris, get the table!
0: <laughs> I think they do a move where like instead of maybe using like a big spoon to stir everything together, yeah. it's like one of the the burial guys like grabs one of the bearded bearded Irish guys by like the ankles. Yeah, he's like twirling him around. The yeah, and the guys and just go
1: wild in there stirring it up. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think they do stuff like that. It makes sense.
1: That would be great. Not much of a collaboration if you don't. <laughs> then the burial guy puts the the whole keg up on his shoulders and the. <laughs> Bearded Irish guy comes off the top rope with a clothesline. Yeah. And then they send it
0: out the door. They just have several <laughs> bottles lined up, and whatever lands in the bottles is what they ship out. <laughs> it's really messy, really wasteful. That's why it didn't have much of a head. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. That is fucking fantastic. Yeah, that is one awesome. of the most unique beers I think I've ever had. It is quite sweet. It is. But it also is sweet. a little tart it's, on the aftertaste, too.
1: It is. It's got so many different flavors going on with it. I'm I'm digging it. Fantastic.
0: All right, Steve. The subject of our show today
1: is going to be
0: Jakob's Walla from 1990. This movie has been around for a minute.
1: Yeah, a couple.
0: 29 years worth a minute. 29 years worth of minute. That's a whole lot of minutes this mm-hmm. thing's been around. Mm-hmm. This is the first time
1: I ever have seen it. I ain't never seen it before this. So here's my story about the first time I watched Jacob's Ladder. Get him! So I bought Jacob's Ladder on VHS. One thing I knew about Jacob's Ladder is that it was very trippy. Okay. So the first time I watched Jacob's Ladder was on LSD. Jesus Christ, how old were you? Um, 18 or 19. Wow. Yeah. So
0: the first time you watched this movie, you were tripping balls.
1: Yes. And then I realized something, um, because last week I said that this movie had Radon Chong in it. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Does not. Yeah. It doesn't have Radon Chong in it. I didn't see him nowhere. Did you hallucinate him into the movie? Oh, well, Raydon Chong's a lady first. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> exactly right. She discovered Chris Pratt. No big <laughs> deal. Actually, no, what I realized was I have seen Jacob's Ladder several times. Yeah. I have never seen it not on LSD. <laughs> Holy shit. The first time I saw it not on LSD was watching it for this. You're kidding. And I didn't know the story of the movie. Which cut I did you like better? The cut
0: LSD cut or the non LSD cut? The LSD cut was cut. pretty dope. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> I watched it several awesome. times. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Good
1: enough to um, r- r-
0: warrant multiple viewings.
1: Oh, it's just like, just things stuck with me. Just like yeah, yeah. visual aspects of the movie and just like movie certain and lines stuff. and things. But wow. I didn't know the story at all. So when I wow. said I watched it, I was like, Oh, this has like an actual through line. There's a real story to it. I always cow. thought it was just like crazy dreamlike imagery. Like tree of life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so Holy shit. So
1: how was, was it watching this I was happy this... to find
0: out it has a good story. I was going to say, yeah, how was it watching this um, you know, like a
1: it's like less a normal trippy human than people say it is. Honestly, <laughs> Watch it on LSD if you think it's trippy. Yeah. (laughs) Then you You make it to me and watch it regularly. It's not that trippy. It's just like, oh okay, this all makes some sort of sense. So I watched this for the first time the
0: other night. It's one of those that like everybody Mm -hmm. had always told me was really amazing. I had heard it referenced millions of times Uh as far as being very influential and very important and also uh, and again, spoiler territory, for real, watch this movie. So we're gonna spoil it. Yeah. But I went into this movie knowing that he was dead the whole time. Okay. Somebody along the lines spilled those beans. Yeah. But the thing about it was is the movie, I don't know, it's like the narrative of the the movie is super unreliable. Yeah. And it kept Mm -hmm. me guessing the whole time. Yeah. And I was like, maybe I was thinking about a different movie. Right. And he isn't dead the whole time because Uh it seems like he's having these flashbacks and he's living a life and yada yada. Like, I expected it to be, like, let's say, like, Sixth Sense. Like, at the first of the movie, whenever he's on that subway train and he asks that woman if they've already passed up that street yeah. and she doesn't talk to him, I was like, oh, because he's a ghost. But then other right. people start talking to him, and I was like, maybe he's not a ghost. <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe that lady was a ghost. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was the lady but from did Suspiria. But she have a devil tail,
0: so. <laughs> I thought it was the lady from the hallway in Suspiria. with oh, the shiny right. knife.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought she that was her. She does look like her. Yeah. yeah. Wow,
0: Okay. So, I went into this, you know, again, still knowing kind of the twist of the ending and everything, mm-hmm. and was still fucking riveted. I yeah. really, really, really liked yeah. this movie, man.
1: I, the the movie doesn't hinge on the reveal that he's dead the whole no, time. In fact, no. that's the denouement of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. that's the part where we're just like, yeah, we already know he's dead. Like, we yeah. get that. Well, there's people telling him he's dead the whole fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, and then he says, I think I'm dead. Like, yeah. there's like so many times where he's being told he's dead or he thinks he's dead yeah it's yeah the reveal that he's dead is not a reveal it's just sort of a finality to the story like right. yes he's definitely dead right um all of this has been him in the process of dying yeah. going through Seeing the angels and demons of his life going through heaven and hell, and, yeah. and coming out uh, as just dead, like
0: making amends with unfinished business, yeah. and guilt and
1: regrets and stuff. Yeah, really, and the really biggest regret, brave. of course, being the death of his son Gabe, Macaulay. not Gage. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Gabe, who was killed, unlike Gage, he was killed by a truck. Oh, wait, no, they're both killed by trucks. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second,
0: but Macaulay Culkin was way less annoying than Gage.
1: Yeah, oh, he for was sure. adorable in this movie. He's so cute. That, oh my man, god! You can see why they put him in everything. Yeah. This was like this was right after Uncle Buck. Yeah, which pre pre Home uh, Alone. Uh, yeah, pre Home Alone, right after Uncle Buck, and then The Good Son. I think was like ninety three or we something. We got to do that on the show. The one Good day Son. Too. Yeah, I was thinking like that. That's our other opportunity to cover the yeah. Collie Culkin movie because yeah, that was so. pretty good.
0: Yeah. So, this movie has a lot in common with other truly fantastic horror movies that we've covered on, on the show in the past, like The yeah. Shining uh, or like Poltergeist, in that it's not really made by a crew of horror movie makers.
1: Yeah, no, this is uh, Adrian Lin, who was the director of Nine and a Half Weeks, Fatal Attraction, Indecent Proposal movies about romantic relationships <laughs> with a very strange element to them. Yeah, yeah. And I guess this is kind some of that. Like his relationship with Jezebel is is one of the central elements of the the movie, but like that it doesn't have as much to do with the plot. Mm-hmm. It, it really is just that it's sort of like Jezebel is a reminder to him are a way of of getting him to realize that he's not alive anymore. Mm -hmm. They're like, Mm -hmm. you know, Sarah's not there anymore. He's not a part of this family anymore, but he doesn't really seem to remember what happened. Mm -hmm. And we never get that. We never get a divorce moment. Right. All we see is like we see two sides. We see him with his family and with Gabe still alive. Pre-Vietnam. And then we see him with Jezebel post-Vietnam. Yep but there's no in between no matter how much it flashes backward and forward we never see any of that so like it it's um it's interesting the way that uh, that dynamic plays out but yeah it's also written by the guy who wrote Ghost Which is another movie about a romantic relationship. Came out
0: like a couple months before this.
1: A couple months before this. Yeah, it's real interesting how this movie got made. I mean, we talked a little bit with Pet Cemetery about how like there was a writer's strike in '88 and stuff. Yeah, a lot was going on. A lot of moving and shaking in Hollywood at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, Ghost and Jacob's Ladder were actually bought by Paramount in 1986. After Wes Craven released, fuck, it's some. I've never even watched this movie. It kind of bombed, but it was it was it was more metaphysical okay. than movies had been before. And the thing people have been worried about about buying uh, Ghost and Jacob's Ladder either script was that it were too metaphysical, too weird, too hard for audiences to get. They thought, and yeah. then Wes Craven releases this movie. I can't remember the name of. And for some reason, even though it didn't do well, Paramount was like, "Okay, we think audiences might be interested in this type of movie if we do it the right way."
0: So they just snatched up so whatever scripts they could,
1: intending maybe to to make it uh, okay. in the future. And then a bunch of big-time directors are interested in it: yeah. Michael Apted, Sidney Lumet, Ridley Scott were all interested in making the movie. Wow. Which I think this could have worked as a Ridley Scott movie. Oh, sure. Like yeah. Ridley Scott in his fighting way. Yeah. It oh, could yeah. have worked, actually. Yeah, for sure. What ended up happening is Paramount got bought out by a new company and their vision changed, I guess. And they gave up on the movie. And then Carol Co. Pictures came in and swooped in and a and, and $25 million budget. Uh, they got Adrian Lynn, who was just off of uh, Fatal Attraction, I think. So, Kay. like, he was a big-time... Yeah, big name. Uh, ...guy to get. And um, they made this movie, and it unfortunately didn't make enough money. Like, it made a little over budget, but certainly there are more costs than just the budget. They never include the advertising in the budget. Sure, yeah. I think most of people so that say can screw anybody who's getting some points on the back end but yeah yeah uh, they they definitely didn't make enough money off this so this is one of those movies from that 90s period that i always talk about where i think horror movies could have really gone somewhere interesting like yeah clive barker like hellraiser stuff mouth madness and and this and like stuff was getting so weird and metaphysical and like just about absolute hell yeah yeah. like the idea of just like going full evil sure man it would have been real cool if those movies had made money so that we could have seen how that would have played out no kidding apparently people just aren't as interested in these type of movies
0: well i imagine that this is probably a pretty tough sell for the advertising department yeah because it's like who do you sell this movie to it's a very it's a very deep philosophical movie Uh uh-huh but at the same time it's like With all these horror elements, I don't think you're going to get the Philosopher's Guild in there to watch this movie. Right. At the same time, people that were going to the theaters to watch Freddy and
1: Jason... They're not going to want to see this. They're not going to
0: want to see this. Yeah, Yeah, this story
1: about a man who's broken by both the death of his child and uh, the Vietnam War. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Going through hell. Like, yeah, that's just... It's a hard sell, for sure.
0: But at the same time, it's like if they did sit down and watch it, there's stuff in this movie that is absolutely nightmarish. Oh, yeah. I mean, some imagery and stuff that is far beyond uh-huh. the levels of horror that you see yeah. in typical, you know, what you think of as normal horror movies. Right. There's some truly terrifying stuff in this, so I, I have a feeling they had just a hard time deciding... Who to sell this to? Yeah, and how to advertise? Of course, I was six whenever it came out, so I don't really remember right. what the advertising. But yeah, for it was I like.
1: I don't remember seeing any advertisement for it until it came on VHS, and I remember it being in the uh, video stores. I remember just seeing the cover. And always thinking, like, that oh, that looks weird. What did the cover look like? Because I've heard a lot of people say that the cover of the like, VHS
0: box was crazy. Do you remember what it looked like? Did it have one of the faceless people on it or something?
1: No, the one I'm remembering just had him, and he was kind of surrounded by... Was it, like, ladders or stairs or something? Okay, kind of like a M.C. Escher kind yeah. of look or something. Yeah, I remember it looked weird, but it didn't... Because, like, you know, this those early days of watching horror movies... Uh, So much of it was about finding the ones that had boobs in them like right and that just it just <laughs> which, looks like also this has tons of boobs in it It doesn't i didn't think it would <laughs> i remember as a kid thinking like "Nah, i won't watch Boob that one. free zone for yeah. sure but then as an adult being like all right what's lots up? of boobs all over this uh, thing yeah which by the way i'll, I'll say like it's it's actually interesting because it's not sexy no at all, ever uh, in this That's, no yeah like it's just like oh she's nude
0: well the way that they just handle domestic partnership yeah and it's pretty, how you pretty know, true to life? Yeah, it yeah. is. It's like you said. Like, well, I mean, what what's her name that plays Jezebel? Uh, Elizabeth Pina. Elizabeth Pena, R.I.P. She Just did found die she died in 2014. Died. Sucks, yeah, uh, she is obviously gorgeous. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. but very the way pretty. that they they play the nudity and stuff in the movie is just very like yeah. matter of fact like yeah, it's, you're it's, getting you're getting dressed and you're talking to somebody yeah, and you have a button. it's like my wife blast getting ready yet. for work correct? yeah exactly yeah. I mean
1: it's it's great and cool and all yeah, but it's yeah. also just an everyday activity yeah
0: it's just the rhythm that you're in when you live with somebody yeah you know especially an apartment living like they are where yes. you're up close and personal small and apartment
1: time. like that yeah you're gonna be seeing each other all the time yeah exactly yeah. so all that stuff was handled really well but yeah again Lots of bobe in this movie. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, d- just for fun, a demon fucks a woman. That happens too. Yeah, same woman. So if you're into that... Yeah, if you're into that. But that's also a hallucin... I mean, no- nothing that happens in this movie actually happens except for five minutes of the movie. That yeah. is sort of spaced out. Yeah. Everything is what a, per- a soul supposedly is going through at the point of death. And this all comes from... The, um, I'm going to give the the full title. It it is known as the Tibetan Book of the Dead, but the the title, I guess, would most likely be uh, translated as Liberation Through Hearing During the Intermediate State.
0: Boy, you're really just... <clears throat> Just swinging those literary degrees around I know, right man. now. These? Those Look things are dragging the ground behind man, you. That
1: person tells you they got a literary degree. You're like, wow. That so, do you have a dick. job or? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh.
0: Okay, so it comes. It kind of takes inspiration from that. Um, yeah, I don't know so, nothing about. It. I never read that. Uh, yeah.
1: So uh, Bruce Joel Rubin, uh, as, as a young man. He went over to Southeast Asia and the Middle East and took a lot of hallucinogens. Oh. Also lived um, in a Tibetan monastery for a couple of years. Wait,
0: hang on. But enough about Bruce Wayne, who would become the Batman. Thank you. Moving on. Wait a second.
1: Is Bruce Bruce Joel Rubin the real Batman?
0: I'm just saying. You just kind of told me bat stories wow i know wait a second (laughs) Um,
1: but yeah so he he was doing a lot of hallucinogens and and learning about other religions and boy i really uh uh i i connect with that that's what i was doing in my early 20s yeah uh well i guess late teens and early 20 because i became a mormon before i even turned 21
0: wow Wow. you (laughs) became a mormon before you ever even like bought legal beer yep
1: You've led a my crazy first, life, Steve. My first legal drink was uh, at the age of like 30. 29 or 30, probably, yeah. Uh, Jeez. Crazy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> life uh, will take you on some unexpected journeys, will. I'll tell you that. So what did this guy learn on his on his way through Yeah, so basically
1: balls? Uh, basically the Tibetan book of the dead was also used by Timothy Leary, Ralph Metzner, and Richard Alpert. To write a guide for LSD trips.
0: Bunch of damn acid head hippies. The
1: psychedelic experience. Wow. And so what this movie and what those things are basically about is the a guide through the experience of what it's like to die.
0: How do they know? Did well, they Nicky Six themselves? I I think
1: I would say for sure that it is definitely um, more about. Hallucinogens than it is about actual death. Yeah, yeah, it is about the experience of the death of the ego uh, in in a, a hallucinogenic trip. Wow. Um. Even even I'm saying the Tibetan Book of the Dead is probably more about that than the actual experience of death. Because again, yes, how would you know? Hmm. But what you do experience in a hallucinogenic trip is this feeling of of dying as an old person dying your ego completely sort of being shred away and then becoming this new person Mm -hmm. and so this this the tibetan book of the dead is more about death and rebirth and reincarnation um and in this movie is definitely more about this death and rebirth and becoming something new
0: I don't get how these Tibetans wrote this book because as far as I know the Grateful Dead wasn't around back then. What were they listening to? Oh,
1: man. Well, chants probably, Were right? they chanting
0: Touch of Grey?
1: <laughs> Did you guys notice how everything looks orange? <laughs> <It's> weird. <sweeter. laughs> That's Man-lock. what those chants are. Oh, yeah. Are them slowly saying to each other things that people Dude. on acid say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tripping balls. This movie's so
0: weird. Yeah. Like if you sped it up like 15 <laughs> times, yeah. you hear just l- legitimate stoner talk. Yeah. I like it. I'm on board with that. So you think this movie takes a lot of elements from that. From what yeah. you're saying about, about the ego being shredded away and becoming a new person, kind of sounds like that talk that Louis, Louis yeah has about you know burning away your connections to louis is
1: the angel guiding him through this louis is the only one who exists between heaven and hell Mm -hmm. who is able to fix him that's what he says and i and i love like i write um i remembered mostly images and then everything louis says From wow. my times watching it as uh, an LSD taker. Danny Aiello? Danny, Danny Aiello, Danya. yeah. He says some things that are, it's all sort of coded, but um, whenever he does, the first time he goes to Louie and he's doing the adjustment, wherever he does that thing that makes him sort of flash back and yeah. suddenly he's back in the forest, like seeing back red flashlights and, and yeah. stuff. Or yeah, back in the jungle, not the forest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Louis says at that point, I had to get in there, deep adjustment. Yeah, yeah. And then he had. There's that bit of interaction where he he says to Louis, "Have I ever told you you look like an angel?" Yeah. Okay. And Ch- Louis a says, a "Chair up or something." Every time I see you, yeah. Which you say that the way I see this is that this movie is like a a spiral, like it spirals out of control, mm-hmm. and then he sort of ceases to exist he dies Mm -hmm. but like what louis seems to indicate with every time i see you is that this is actually a process that keeps happening over and over and over yeah that he keeps interacting with this soul over and over and over and helping him in this same way he comes in in this chiropractic form yeah just to help him through heaven and hell you, um, are you saying like maybe even in past
0: lives or something? Yeah, yeah. so reincarnation yeah.
1: is definitely like an idea here, but it's also like the idea of, of uh, having multiple trips. Like each time you take a hallucinogenic trip, you're going through this same process of, mm. of birth, birth, death, or rebirth after death and becoming this new person. So like... It, it could indicate that this is, in fact, that acid trip mm-hmm. and that he is going through because we we learn later that we're never sure what anything that we learn in this movie is true. Sure. yeah. But we do sort of learn later that the army was experimenting on this particular platoon with a hallucinogen. And so they had put this hallucinogen in the food. So he would, if that is true, been experiencing both the hallucina- hallucination and the experience of dying. Right, yeah. So yeah. he would be going through both of those processes. That's
0: something that, that I thought about, too. And, and, I mean, I have questions about whether the whole drug plot is even real. Yeah, it might like be fake completely. That might not have even have yeah, happened. Yeah, he you may, know?
1: yeah, all of that stuff could just be... Just what his brain invents as he's dying. Yeah. And I have, yeah.
0: I, I have some ideas about that. how oh, yeah. I could have come up with that and stuff too. You know, or the the line about him saying, you say that every time you see me. uh uh-huh. I mean, maybe that's the kind of thing where if Tim Robbins in his lifetime, in his solitary lifetime on earth, has yeah. had like other near death experiences. Yeah. Where he has almost died. Right and seeing Louis and been brought back. Or yeah,
1: because the movie is full of angels and demons. Yes, it is full of people, and and it has some people like Jezebel who are more complicated. Like yeah. Jezebel would be hard to say is an angel or a demon. Like she is, I would say mean about his kids and his ex wife. Yeah, but she also she also does seem to care about him a great deal. Well, but also at the
0: same time, whenever you take into account that line that Louis says about how. You know, the, the thing that burns when you're in hell is your yeah. attachments to your past life and blah, right. blah, blah. Yeah. And after you realize that what looked like the, the demons that yeah. were burning you alive. You, angels. Yeah, freeing you and helping you move on. So early on in the movie whenever you see Jezebel and she like takes those photographs of his kids and like burns them and she's yeah, like I don't seems like things so that make demonic. you Yeah, yeah it it seems evil. And she's like I don't like things that make you sad. And but she it, incinerates yeah. the photos. Yeah, you're like oh my God what a fucking horrible person. But then you realize it's like she's helping him move on
1: yeah so it is kind of ambiguous yeah she is helping burn away those old things so he can move on yeah but she's also she's also there for him you know in you know the moments when he has the fever and stuff Mm -hmm. she's there for him afterwards when he's been sitting in the apartment for two weeks she's there to be like you need to go out etc like yeah she's yeah she's constantly pushing him but she can seem from some perspective to not be good but she's just as good or evil as anyone else in the movie honestly yeah yeah
0: the, the cast of this movie in addition to it's insane to Danny and Pena like dude like there are so fucking many people yeah, in I, this movie you think of it as a small cast movie you think about Tim Robbins obviously right
1: yeah mostly it's Tim Robbins and Elizabeth Pena and, yeah yeah
0: but there are so many just little bit part
1: cameos yeah. all over the fucking movie Ving Rhames is in this movie yeah Eric LaSalle. Eric LaSalle is in this movie uh Louis Black is in this movie. Yeah, I didn't even catch him.
0: I guess it's like yeah, a he's the Yeah, doc- he's the
1: doctor uh, whenever they put him in the, the tub. Yeah. He's the doctor that shows up when he comes back. From yeah, he's like, you got angel looking out for you or something yeah. like that. I uh, had no idea that was Kyle him. Gass is in this from movie. From fucking Tenacious D.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's in like the the platoon at the first, right? right? Mm-hmm. I, again, completely missed him. Didn't Real see
1: Real interesting thing I didn't notice at all until huh. just watching it a little bit before I left was the guy from that episode of seinfeld that is the sidler the sidler yeah he's the guy who keeps like every time elaine pitches something to peterman he'll be like great you two get on it and then she looks over and suddenly there's this guy here (laughs) oh so she gets him some tic tacs (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. he's that guy's in there and it's like it's like almost like in seinfeld that was the joke was like he just because like he just shows up and it's like wait where did he come from and then he's gone what the fuck yeah it's when they're in the office uh the law the lawyer office with with george, george costanza. costanza yeah yeah <laughs> it's crazy i was like what is he doing the there? Seidler.
0: what is he doing yeah. in there i didn't notice
1: that at all yeah it, but yeah everybody in this is it's just crazy like Essie Pate the Merkerson's in this. She, you might know What, from, what were those noises you just made? <laughs> you might know her from almost 400 episodes of Law and Order. Good Lord. And being in every... Like, I just looking at everybody's IMDb, it's like, yeah, these are all professionals. Wow. Like, even at this point, some of them hadn't had much, yeah. but they've all worked constantly their whole lives. They yeah. got real actors who knew what they were doing for each of these parts, and it's crazy when you look at it, because that's like, it's almost like 20 people... That show up at some point in this this movie, and they're all like they've all had careers since then.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. No, Good, doubt. I
1: mean, great casting, Way fantastic. To go. And, yeah, and Tim Robbins, of course, is our main character, Jacob, in
0: this movie. And I think that with a movie like this, considering it is just so much just torture and agony yeah. laid upon this guy Jacob, right? It would be really easy for this to become like. Like, let's say, like, a Gaspar Noe movie where it's just right. like, you're just showing me punishment and yeah. depressing, awful things happening. Gaspar Noe
1: did say that this was a big inspiration for Enter the Void. I 1 million percent yeah. believe that. <laughs> Only
0: this movie rules, and Enter the Void fucking yes. sucks. I hate that movie so much. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'll God have to watch damn it, it. I hate it so bad, dude. Oh, that movie sucks. We fucking should do it sucks. for the show. <laughs> Fuck no. I'll never watch that movie again. I mean, seriously, you'd have to pay me so much money. <laughs> To watch that movie again and even talk about it. You heard it,
1: guys. It's going to be a pay episode. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be a fucking triple pay episode. Fuck that movie. Uh, Yeah, I can definitely see this being an influence on on him. But, you know, this whole movie would be this very brutal, depressing watching experience, if not for the fact that Tim Robbins is so enjoyable as a dude in this movie. He is.
1: Yeah, Tim Robbins is just a a real uh, easy guy, I think, to... Immediately connect to it, yeah. yeah. well,
0: he's got this like th- this childishness to him at times yeah. and this kind of impishness. Mm-hmm. And
1: he's kind of like, yeah. This was his first major like dramatic, was role. it really? Yeah, he wanted to do something like this to show, like, yeah. I can also do drama. Well, this is
0: like after Bull Durham, yeah.
1: Bull Durham was 88, so okay, yeah. And that, I mean, that was mo- he was doing comedy, yeah. even though that's not that's, I guess, that is a comedy. Bull Durham yeah. is a comedy, but it's it's got a lot of drama to it,
0: but you know, in this movie, he really displays such a huge range of of actions and emotions yeah i mean obviously he's kind of like nutty and lovable and stuff at right. times at other times he's like flipping out and like wanting to see his doctor right. and kind of getting like ptsd rage going right. on and then other times we see him in just these moments of extreme vulnerability i mean that that shot where he wakes up in the bathtub and it's just on his face and he's yeah. crying and his eyes are like red and stuff it's amazingly captured it is and even just him like begging for his life and like not understanding what's going on like when he's in the crazy hospital scene and he's like where am i yeah like, i want to go home like he seems so you not anywhere
1: you're dead yeah that yeah. that's a real interesting moment too because like that that is the point i think where he's at his most tortured maybe is in that He's yeah. being, like, taken into this, like... like taken into hell. Sub-basement. Yes, a hell. Yeah. As he's going through it, it looks like a just... I don't know how to explain it. It's it's like the psychiatric hospital from um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street where Amanda Krueger gets raped. Kinda, yeah. It's like that, but there are also, like, children there. And then there's, like, a woman with, like, webbed yeah feet. And then a woman... Breastfeeding what looked like a dead baby. Yeah. And like it was pretty fucking insane. Lieutenant Dan was in there. He got no legs. Yeah, there was a feller with no legs or arms for sure. Do you know what the
0: main inspiration for all the freakish weird stuff you see in the hospital was? Was it uh H.R. Geiger? Well, okay, that was one visual <laughs> influence for the movie. Yeah. The photography
1: of Joel Peter Witkin. I know, yeah. and Diane Arbus. Yeah, that was yeah. a
0: huge influence on two
1: people the look. we've mentioned in the past. Yeah, Diane. Well, I don't know if I ever mentioned Diane. Diane Arbus took the uh, photo of two twin girls that some people say influenced Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like.
0: Joel Peter Witkin did some images of like a guy with, with no legs yeah. and a bag over his head yes. and his head was like moving and the photograph so his face was like blurred which is in the movie in the movie
1: yeah it's like it's straight up Copied. Also, one of the inspirations was pictures of children deformed by thalidomide.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I read yeah. about that. Yeah, I read about that. Which was and like the a,
1: photography of Francis
0: Bacon. Uh, a morning sickness drug for yeah. pregnant women that ended yeah, up deforming. A bunch that of kids. was
1: uh, terrible and uh, caused terrible deformities and took them too long to get off the market.
0: Hey. Good thing that kind of stuff never happens anymore. doesn't right. happen anymore. Yeah. We got
1: regulatory agencies and all sorts of things that fix all those problems. They're looking out for our best interest. Steve. That's what they do. <laughs> that's what they do.
0: In a for profit medical industry, that's exactly <laughs> what they do. Yeah, the cast in this movie is is seriously amazing. And I think that if you would have had somebody else playing this role, I think it would have been a, a tougher sell. They wanted a bunch of different people to play Jacob. They had like, yeah, uh, Tom Hanks, Richard yeah. Gere, like yeah, Tom Al Hanks Pacino.
1: Was, Tom Hanks was the most interesting name on the list for me. Just yeah. like I was thinking, I mean, he, I think he could have done it. Robin Williams could have done it. Yes, Robin Williams could have done it for sure. Yeah, Robin Williams was constantly showing us how depressed he was by acting so wonderfully when he had to be depressed. Yeah, exactly right. We didn't. Catch it because right. they were like, but sometimes he's really funny.
0: I even like the fact that Tim Robbins is such like a huge dude, and yet yeah, he's so tall, like vulnerable and innocent yeah. in this movie. I think yeah. makes it more pitiable Just to like see a the big horrible child. things to him. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much, but like that's actually
1: child. true of all the soldiers, like Ving rames Yeah. When we see him early on, when we see them all early on, of course, they're doing like their masculinity thing where they're like, let's talk about each other's dicks. Yo, (laughs) I ain't got any tweezers. Hey, sex and dicks and stuff. It was
0: all improvised dialogue at the front of the movie, by the way. Yeah, that's right. So, which also, too, the way that the movie opens with that Vietnam scene. Yeah, very well done. in Oh yeah,
1: so good, dude.
0: Whenever like it shows, it shows a couple people walking around just like shredded limbs. Yes, one of the one of the, the shredded leg was the worst. Insane. Holy
1: cow, man! All practical effects. No post-production effects. All things were either done in camera or with makeup. So the, wild. So the person, fast-moving head going back and forth, they, yeah. they shot at a low frame rate and then just yeah. showed it at normal rate. Like And, dude,
0: this is uh, that's something I kind of wanted to talk about is how influential I think this movie was extremely. on a lot of stuff. Like, we have seen the whole fast, twitchy, shaky head thing. Yeah. In, like, 8 million movies. Like, it was, like, all mm-hmm. over Saw,
1: for example. Yes and this oh, is... Oh, Saw the, took a ton, oh, by the way. Ton, just dude. so many shots are definitely, like... Straight out of this. Straight yeah. out
0: of this. Definitely. But, you know, this is the only movie where the shaky head thing has, like, actually worked for me. Yeah, it looks right.
1: I think I think most of the time they probably do it in post-production and it doesn't look yeah. right. Whereas cool. this, just shooting a no- person normally moving their head back and forth, low frame rate, Yeah. show it at a regular rate. It, like... That looks weird. Computers can't do what no. a film can do that right. way. Right, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's extremely well done and has been ripped off 80 million times yeah. since then, man. Mm-hmm. This movie was also a huge inspiration for the first Silent Hill game.
1: Well, not just the first Silent Hill game, also the, the Silent Hill oh. movie.
0: Yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I played the first Silent Hill when it came out like yeah. a million years ago. And now looking back on it and remembering how much of that game takes place in, like, that abandoned hospital Mm -hmm. that's just, like, murky and gross. And I think there's even faceless people in that game, if I'm not mistaken. It's very obvious how much this... Yes. Yeah, that franchise took from this movie, man. Because it is truly hellish and crazy and it's also just balanced by the fact that so much of the movie looks and feels completely normal it just feels like yeah gritty shit it is it's just normal
1: stuff like going to a party a couple yeah taking a shower like yeah. just normal stuff
0: and it doesn't have crazy colors and filters and grime no and
1: no it just looks like i guess it's supposed to be set because he his um discharge says nineteen seventy. I believe yeah I want to talk about the timeline of this movie so that would mean that like basically he came home got divorced and moved in with Elizabeth Pena but when we see his kids they've not aged they've not aged so it's I I guess it's still like 74 or something like I have no idea. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's like out of time completely, and it's supposed to be obviously yeah. just to make you feel like, wait, when is this? Yeah, exactly. Because it is no when it it doesn't it never happened. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's all
0: limited to how far his imagination that can't accept that he's actually dying, and he's imagining his own future after the war. Yeah, he can't imagine past what nineteen seventy four or five something? when he was in the war. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's interesting to see the way that they play that. I mean, you yeah. can't imagine his kids older than they are now. He's never seen them older. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Man, I like the, th- the interesting thing is like the conceptions in this of things you would go through as you die. I mean, it, cor- yeah. it of course, would rely on the, it would rely on the idea that you have a period of time before you die. Mm-hmm. Like if you get shot in the head and your head explodes, there's no, there's no, instant before you die you're just dead but if you get bayoneted and you're bleeding yeah if out, you're bleeding out then this would happen so like well at that instant time would basically cease to exist like as you cease to be able to perceive time yeah your perception of time would slow down well here's so here's like the thing maybe about you it. would go through something like that yeah
0: well, ultimately, I think that this movie is actually all taking place over just a few hours with yes, time. Yes, it is.
1: Yeah, because we see him, he gets stabbed uh, during the day, gets found at night, and then he dies the next day. Exactly. So yeah. this so whole It whole all happens over a few
0: hours. But you feel like the you know, quote, post-war stuff is taking place over weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. But I think that's because, well, you know, as you know from your dreams and stuff, you'll have a dream that seems like it lasted for an hour. And yeah. then somebody wakes you up and you're like, oh, you just dozed off for about five minutes. Right. Or like, do you ever have that experience where maybe like when... You see somebody who's about to knock a glass off a table, and your brain moves through so many motions so fast. Yes, it's like in half a second you're going, "Oh, that's about to fall. Maybe I can catch it. I'll kind of clean that up later." Yeah. Oh no, he spilled his juice! Like what? Like your brain goes through so many motions so fast yeah. in times of urgency. Yes, that I think that his experience, which feels like it lasts for weeks was just taking place over a few hours' time.
1: Yeah. There's a book called Biocentrism that I read uh, in grad Oh, school. again with the reading, huh? Sorry. <laughs> uh, but it, it talks about that. It talks about wow. how, like, our perceptions, like, all we have to work on are our perceptions. This has been a philosophical debate forever. Sure. But all we have to work on are our perceptions. And we we do have those instances where time can seem to slow up and and suddenly be like everything is in slow motion. Sure, yeah. And then sometimes time seems to fly. Yeah. Since, you know, the only way that we know that everything exists is through our own perception, we have to then just believe that time actually does that. I'll tell you what, I know that time feels
0: like it comes to a standstill every time I'm down at the DMV. You Whoa. ever notice how long it takes to get anything done down there?
1: Let's talk about... Airline food, am I right? Oh, what's the deal with the way there's? Uh, <laughs> you ever think about this? Because I've flown a lot of times. Yeah. I've only eaten one meal on. I've never airplane. had an flight meal. Ever. It was a. It was a uh, German. Uh, it was Lufthansa. I was flying Lufthansa yeah. from Germany to uh, Moscow. Yeah. How was it? Great. Yeah. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful meal. Huh. I don't like. But of course, if if it was back in the day in the eighties when people made those jokes every plane you got on there was an expectation of a meal yeah that's so weird what to me. and then it was like well for some reason it's also bad yeah <laughs> fuck this you're... meal i got for free what? hold on <laughs> and you didn't even have to take your shoes off to get on the plane
0: go find yourself, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah you have aerosols in your carry-on bag oh but, that sucks
1: but anyway like, you got
0: to carry your gun on board <laughs> sucks for you huh but,
1: by the 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 concept then with biocentrism is that like the universe does all these weird things um, because of our perceptions. Yeah, our yeah. perception makes the universe as much as the universe makes our perception. So like Whoa. in that sense, like you know, all of these things could happen in your brain. Perhaps yeah. like you could go through all this and experience what would feel like weeks within a matter of hours. Right. I mean, it's possible
0: right, I'm sure. the fun thing about the timeline of this movie that I realized after it was all said and done and after it was over mm-hmm. is like while you're watching the movie and you're thinking that the post war stuff is what's actually happening, and that the Vietnam flashbacks are what happened in the past, right It's like every time that he gets you know his back cracked and he's waking up in the jungle or whatever, yeah, you think oh he's having a flashback, like I even thought for a minute that like he' reason- actually snapping in real reality time. Yeah, yeah exactly that's him coming in yeah. and out of dying right the entire time so you realize the only thing that's in real time is what's happening in vietnam yeah. which is really awesome but you know again me kind of doubting that i understood what was going on i was thinking you know like maybe the reason why you know whenever he gets his back cracked and he has a flashback is because you know like uh, hallucinogens and LSD and stuff is like stored in your spine. So right. maybe every time he's cracking that, his back, yeah. so he can have
1: a flashback. Or Old like that. Wives Tale. Yeah. It's like yeah. that.
0: I was thinking, I was like, is that what they're kind of playing at? Because that's yeah. kind of lame. But it turns out that that's. I think a lot of wrong. people
1: who take LSD and watch Jacob's Ladder probably think that. Yeah. 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 LSD's got one of those like weird mystiques about it where everybody's heard so many things about it that mm-hmm. simply aren't true. Like. Taking vitamin C somehow helps. Like, hmm. yeah, that was the thing. I don't know about that. Yeah. Just take a bunch of vitamin C while you're on LSD, it makes the trip better. Hmm. How? Yeah. What science is this? <laughs> it doesn't.
0: So, here's the thing that I want to ask you about that's just kind of like a constant debate with this movie, which I think is part of what makes it so good, is like, you know, again, in the... I'm just going to call it the post-Vietnam stuff. Right. The characters that we encounter, like Louis and and Jezebel, do you think that these were
1: actually people he knew in life? Well, there's the indication that that is the situation because he he talks about working with Jezebel at the post office in right. his time with Sarah. Sarah and Gabe is still alive. So right. if that's a memory he had of a nightmare he had, then maybe, but yeah. then maybe his mind is just trying to make sense of who this person is. I Cause don't... in his, in his dream, he works with her.
0: Yeah. Well, see, other than, other than his friends, the, the vets and stuff. Yeah. I, You know, our our main characters that we interact with are Louis and Jezebel. Yeah. I almost kind of think that both of those characters are more archetypes.
1: Right. They're not actual people he knows. Yeah. Like,
0: kind of like how, like, have you ever had dreams where, you know, you'll be talking to somebody and you recognize them as your brother, but it's actually Chris Pratt. Right. It's completely
1: a different person. They're just representing your...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Where it's like the body and the identity don't necessarily match. Yeah. I kind of think that in a lot of ways that that Jezebel kind of represents maybe the entire spectrum of every female he's ever known all right. wrapped in one because she is at times very mothering to him and very right. caring. She is at times very childish to him. Right. Uh she
1: is obviously very sexual. Right. You know? Uh So she's like she represents uh, all all females she's the female yeah. figure and then of course louis represents all males right and he is the fatherly father, but the teacher the yeah, healer there's no sexual element to it so exactly, it doesn't yeah. involve any sort of insecurities or yeah. whatever. yeah
0: and i think the fact that this jezebel character just happened to take the form of maybe this lady he worked with that he was attracted right. to yeah I mean, that that is almost kind of an archetype of itself. Just sure. kind of like the yeah. what if. Oh, yeah. Thing. We all have
1: those dreams where it's like, I was suddenly back in high school and there was this girl I didn't remember, but like... Right. We were having sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I think
0: that the fact that she took the form of this lady he knew from the post yeah. office, I don't think that that's necessarily uh, significant. You know what I'm no, saying? I just think yeah. that that's what the archetype got rolled up into. Right and the same with louis like i think that louis is the male archetype of his right. entire life and maybe even his interactions with his vietnam friends in the post vietnam segments of the movie maybe that is just his concepts yeah, like of they, friendships and relationships to, you know
1: like to really look at the vietnam friends like they they all share so many traits that it's almost like they definitely aren't there, like, they, yeah, their real characters aren't shining through because they're all so much like him. They all have seen these demons. They're all like yeah. sh- shaken by it. They're all seeming to have trouble, except the one guy. Yeah, there's one only guy, one like, guy doesn't... who's like, no, I'm fine.
0: Right. That that I've not been able to make a ton of sense of. Yeah. It's like I, I kind of think the way that the the vets, his buddies and stuff in the movie act is almost like how maybe his friends and stuff have acted his whole life, where it's like. There's moments where they're tight and they're buddies and they're walking down the stairs of the courthouse together and then they can just up and leave also as as friends sometimes do throughout your life, True, you know, just suddenly on and off. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know. That's my impression of it. I think that everybody in the post-Vietnam portions are not necessarily real people he knew in life. Right. Well, that also explains too why like Jezebel shows up later as a nurse for some reason. Right. Yeah. But then he's never like, why were you in that operating room? true he does never bring that yeah. up yeah because it's just like in a dream you know identities change faces yeah. change all these things happen that don't make sense I think that that's what's going on with those personally all right.
1: yeah I think yeah you're probably right there that it is it's just a bunch of archetypes it's yeah. not like even if they do have the face of someone he knows it's they're, they're not re- that actual person they're representative of some archetype in his right. life yeah
0: I think so too and all of those characters and stuff in the movie have very deep biblical kind of relationships there's obviously tons of biblical names all yeah over the there movie. are
1: yeah jezebel is obvious yeah jacob jacob's ladder is from genesis chapter 28 mm. uh where jacob is fleeing his brother esau and he sees a a vision of angels ascending and descending right from, from heaven uh, on ladders and it, there are tons of different interpretations and meanings behind it and i think the one they're going with here is the interpretation that there there is an intermediate space in between yeah uh, heaven and and hell like lost like lost yeah but um <laughs> what the good thing is here that 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 was in like that sort of stuff was in Bruce Bruce Joel Rubin's uh Screenplay, but Adrian Lynn wanted to downplay that and make the demons more of a non-denominational thing, right? Less of yeah, related yeah. to one particular religion, and more of something that would frighten all of us. Yeah, so that we can all buy into this heaven, like because you know most most religions have some conception of heaven and hell,
0: right? And angels um, and
1: demons. Yeah. So, like, yeah, the less specific you make it, the more. Effective, it can be for everyone. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a much better call. Yeah, but they kept the title Jacob's Ladder, <laughs> <laughs> which it seems to indicate that that would be a big portion of the movie. But like, I just didn't see it. Like that vision, I've read that vision a million times and seen all the different interpretations. I just didn't see how that particular bit of genesis really related to this movie yeah but then reading more about the production it seemed like the the screenplay had more of that had more of the specific like judeo-christian uh connotations to it but mm-hmm. they just kind of took that out and one of the indications of that is that one the angel of of, of all this louis louis is not a biblical name <laughs> right yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah there are characters in this that don't have biblical names the ones that have biblical names uh everybody in his family and then his potentially invented girlfriend jezebel Mm -hmm. yeah who is i mean jezebel is supposed to be a prostitute in um in scripture so like in this case she would be representative of everything that draws him away from his family and that is one thing she does constantly right is try to she she Tries to eliminate the names of his kids. Says his wife looks like a bitch. Yeah, she, yeah.
0: she just calls, she
1: calls Gabe the dead the one. The dead one. Yeah. yeah, which really affects him each time. Like, you can see it on his face that he doesn't like that she does that. But, like, right. yeah, she's the attempt at erasing his old family, drawing him away from it. Well, which and, is, and then meanwhile, maybe demonic in yeah. some sense, but in this case, it's actually angelic. She's trying to help him realize right. he's dead. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then also, too, you have the fact that his, his wife in is living life. Her name was Sarah, which is yeah. the one that God made a new covenant with. And right. so on. So there's definitely a lot of, you know, again, very obvious angels and demons kind mm-hmm. of references there. Now, the way the demons in the movie are portrayed, I think is fucking phenomenal. It's so I think good. it's amazing because yeah. you just think it's him having PTSD or like a weird acid flashback from yeah. the stuff that happened to him at the very first of the movie when they're all tripping balls and freaking out and convulsing and yeah. going crazy and stuff. You just kind of think it's like, oh, he's having some kind of a flashback. He's on the subway and he sees that guy with like a, it's like a penile rat tail sticking out from underneath his like coat. <laughs> yeah, so weird. He sees
1: the the horns on the back of that receptionist. Oh, which is so gross and, and like, weird, man. Yeah, and he, of course the, the he, demon. He keeps seeing people with weird faces. Yeah,
0: like. man, that scene where he's down in the subway, uh-huh. and I love that he's he's underground, he's subterranean. Yeah. And he can't leave the terminal. Yeah. It's like, that's purgatory right there. Yeah. It's also kind of explicit that one of the first things he sees is that, like, poster that says hell. Yes. It says ecstasy, like a transcendental experience, or hell. hell. Yeah, Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's down there in the subway, and he's crossing the tracks, and when that train goes by, it's so subtle. And it's also, like, trusting that the viewer is watching so much, because the train is going by at full speed.
1: Yeah, so the faces would be blurred.
0: Yeah, but But it's also trusting you to be looking in the windows and being like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Nowadays, dude, I feel like that train would be going by... And it would do a, a close-up of Tim Robbins' face, and he'd go, oh, my God. Right. And then it'd do a slow motion on a face in the window and it well, would like, shoot him the bird I mean, or something.
1: The real genius <laughs> of that is that, of course, their faces would be blurred as they're going by. So yeah. you could you could be like, okay, whatever. But He's then, just tripping out. then he sees the last face yeah. in the window looking backwards. And it's like waving at him. And it's just like n- completely blurred Stand and no over. facial features. And it's like. That is not because it's moving fast. Yeah. Um. That actually, what that was the inspiration for the whole movie was uh, Bruce Joel Rubin had mm. a dream mm-hmm. where he got off of a subway and the doors were locked and you couldn't. He couldn't get out. Yeah. Yeah. And so when he immediately when he woke up, he was like, "That sounds like hell." <laughs> like no doubt, it does. It sounds like. Can you imagine? Like, what would you even do? <laughs> like, wow. even what he does where he starts walking across the tracks like i would be like and he does this he does this real well where he's stepping real gingerly because it's Mm -hmm. like what can i step on yeah yeah because you'd be worried about what's electrified and and what's not like which
0: is kind of funny that ultimately the first thing that he does as he's in the afterlife is try not to get killed yes yeah which i think is a huge message message of this movie is that that the human spirit just has this will to keep existing, yes, and can't understand not existing, right? You know, I think that's a huge thing throughout the movie. Yeah, but yeah dude, the way those demons look is just amazing, and it's subtle. And like, I love how, like, let's say even during like the um, the, the the dance sequence at the party and right. stuff, where uh, Jesse is getting like fucked by that, <laughs> yeah. that demon on yeah, the dance like floor. she's
1: dancing with a guy, but he's like. It's either he's hallucinating or this is what he's seeing because it's hell. Yeah. Basically the guy she's dancing with turns into this huge demon and then impales her with his demon dick.
0: Yeah, like the horn like jets out of her yeah. mouth. But the whole time there's like this strobe light going mm-hmm. and you're just seeing... It It honestly reminded me a lot of like when you see the monster wall in Mouth of Madness where you're like, right. what the fuck am I looking right. at? Right. It's just glistening and lumpy and mm-hmm. skin-like and vaguely humanoid. Yeah. But also like vaguely... H.R. Giger spines bats wings Uh what the fuck ever kind of imagery going on like you're never really sure of what you're looking at and it makes it so much trippier it really does it's like and it makes you doubt if the narrative is reliable it's like is he seeing this or not like is he just seeing flashes of some guy in a in a you know a, a sweat soaked tank top that's making it look like weird glistening demon skin (laughs) in his freaked out mind it's like you never know if what you're seeing is real or not
1: yeah that is like a genius thing of keeping the viewer from because like you want the viewer to be able to guess a little bit ahead so that you can stay with it yeah but you also you want to keep if you're dealing with something like this where the idea is that Even the characters don't know. Even the narrative doesn't know. You want to keep the viewer constantly on their toe. Yeah, and that scene is just perfect at that, where it's like, is this or is this not happening? Then you find out he has 106 degree fever. Yeah, and you're you're like, it's easy to dismiss. Yeah, you're like, oh, well, that wasn't happening. So then, when something else happens, you're like, wait a second does he have a fever again? Like, what is yeah. happening? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're constantly doubting if what
0: you're seeing is really happening or yeah. not the same way that he is too. Yeah. So, it also makes you sympathize with the character very yep. well. That's another one of those deals where the, the editing is truly masterful yeah. in this. If yes. this was edited by somebody else, it could have turned out really bad. Like yeah. the fact that, okay, I'll, I'll put it this way. Before I saw this movie, if if you told me this movie has a scene at a really crowded apartment party Mm-hmm. Where people are dancing to a James Brown song, Uh and there's a strobe light, and it's also one of the most fucked up things you've ever seen in a movie. There's no way I would have
1: believed you. Yeah. like You you say that
0: stuff, it's like, there's no way that's good. Yeah. It's fucking good. It really is. That scene is... Phenomenally disturbing.
1: I, since you brought up the James Brown song, let's talk about the music of this movie because it is unbelievable. awesome,
0: unbelievable. Man. It yeah.
1: reminds me at times of Angelo Battlemente's like uh, Twin Peaks stuff. Yeah, but like I don't know, like it, this music just sticks with me. It's phenomenal. It's very haunting, it. but very. also like I don't know, it draws you in. It's haunting while wanting you to come come to be haunted.
0: Well, you know how I talked about whenever I was talking about like the the Elm Street score and why Uh I think it's so cool. Yeah. This has very similar elements to that Uh, where like that piano score that kinda opens the movie that is so like haunting and like you're not even sure what emotion you feel when you listen to it. Uh It's like is this melancholy or is it really sad or is it really ugly like I don't know should I be
1: afraid should I be
0: worried like yeah it's beautiful and really fucked up And, and even like harmonically it sounds like what's going on is you know to try to put this into like terms that make sense it's almost like the piano part and the chord progression it's outlining are starting off in one key, and your ears kind of normalize to it, mm-hmm. and then when it moves to another chord where you kind of expect, like, okay, this is where you expect a happy-sounding major chord to be, right. then the melody will get to a part and reveal that it's, okay, actually, never mind, it's a sad minor chord, uh-huh. and now you're in a different key entirely and then it'll you'll think you know where you are and then it modulates again it mimics the flow of the movie you're right I was
1: gonna say so it's just like the film yeah it's exactly like
0: that where you think you know what's happening with this piece and then it just changes Mm -hmm. and all all of the non uh, score stuff is cool too like even that there's significance in the fact that that James Brown song was playing that was on a double album called Hell by James Brown oh okay yeah which is fucking rad that is cool really 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 cool yeah, score in this, I, I could not be happier with. Yeah. It's beautiful. Absolutely amazing. Awesome. I'd love to figure out how to play that on the grittar. Right. Hey, to figure that out.
1: Maybe you got something to do for Halloween. For year. Halloween. Yeah. Maybe
0: I do, man. Maybe I do. Yeah, soundtrack was, was absolutely awesome. So, one of the things in this movie that I kept thinking about afterwards. Uh huh. Um, you know, again, after having understood that the entire timeline of the movie is this guy just got stabbed in, in Vietnam, uh, this entire thing is him trying to make sense of death Uh and his experience and what he's going through in just a few hours, even though it feels like it's taking place over weeks and weeks. Right. I think that essentially this movie and the experiences we see him go through and what he perceives as opposed to Vietnam life, I think are just... Him trying to deal with and make sense of his of his own death, because okay. I think that every human wants to die with with some sort of meaning, there needs to be yeah. gravity towards this situation. there right. needs to be a reason why I die right,
1: it's why we want to die with our loved ones around us, so it has some sort of meaning, yeah, yeah,
0: or you know it's like whenever you just have thought maybe about like how you expect to die, it's like, right. oh, you think, oh, I'll die of of old age after I've accomplished so much and done this and traveled the world and written my book and blah, blah, blah. Like, nobody's like, I expect to die suddenly in a car crash, never know what was about to hit me, and die instantly.
1: And if we do know Nothing. a person who says that, we worry about getting in a car with them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely so. it's like, okay. Let's call an You've Uber. got a plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I do not intend to be a part of yeah. it. Yeah. Which I think is
0: also very significant that they chose to center this around the Vietnam War, where yeah. so many people died for literally no reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands of people whose lives ended in a way that was unceremonious and made no difference to history it meant nothing it, it, meant l- nothing. it
1: literally meant just perpetuating the military industrial complex yeah, it had nothing that's it. to do Don't had do to do with stopping communism from succeeding because if it ever succeeds it means capitalism is bad
0: and that means america was wrong
1: and it means america was wrong that's so always yes that's why we always stop every communist or socialist yeah. regime from succeeding because yeah. if they succeed god then forbid every, somebody else do well for themselves everything we've done in the name of capitalism has to come back to us yeah exactly yeah.
0: so i think the fact that they chose to center this around the vietnam war i mean they could have chose anything it could have been a world war ii story or whatever yeah you know could have been yeah uh, but I think the well, fact Well, I mean, that like, just, uh,
1: this is slightly based off of an occurrence at Owl Creek by Ambrose Spears, which I believe had something to do with the Civil War. So oh, really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Is that like a short story or something? Yeah, short story. And then, like, there was a 1962 short film made about oh, cool. it that Adrian Lin took a lot of inspiration from.
0: I'll check that out. But I think that this movie is about a guy who suddenly, you know, finds himself in Vietnam and suddenly finds himself dying you know he's he's stabbed unexpectedly he's obviously very taken aback by it yeah and he realizes he's dying and i think that i think that this whole movie and the post vietnam experiences stuff he sees are just his expectations of how his life would have played out it's him going yeah i had plans i had plans that after i got back from the war Maybe yeah. maybe he was going to leave his wife. Maybe the the damage that was done yeah. whenever Gabe From died losing was Gabe, just
1: he just couldn't be with her anymore, yeah.
0: Maybe he wanted to have a boring job where he never had to think or use his philosophy degree as a postal worker. Cuz yeah. they call him professor and he has a philosophy degree and stuff, but yeah. he also mentions I just wanted to turn my brain off after Vietnam. I didn't want to think anymore. Yeah, Maybe showing him being a postal worker is him just being like, I crave a normal mundane life right. where I can get away from all the it, shit I've yeah, been that's through. Yeah, and
1: that's what it was. He was getting away from all of his problems. His problems were thinking and having to deal with his son dying. Yeah. like So yeah. leaving his wife, leaving his job, just being in a new world was a way of not having to deal with that trauma. Yeah,
0: that's what he had planned on doing after the war. Yeah. Because you know? I imagine if you suddenly... Well, hell, you've been fucking, you've had your throat cut. You've That's almost died true. before. Yeah. In your head, were you going, I had shit I planned on doing. I can't die right now. Was that something that crossed your mind?
1: My, I'm purely full of anger. Yeah, honestly. really? Yeah.
0: That's something I've never really got to ask you about is like, yeah. as somebody who has had a very near death experience, right. were you just like, this fucking guy.
1: No, I wasn't even angry at that guy. I was angry at the world. I became very angry at wow. the world. Like it, it was the thing that made me realize that like I have to stop pretending like I can't do something mm. about the world sucking. Oh yeah, and wow. I did. It was one of the things that made me stop becoming Mormon. No doubt was the le- like the thinking that I have to do something and speak out about these things, and then realizing like. Wait, Mormons don't agree with me. Yeah. They don't They don't agree with me about human rights violations and things like that. Like, they may voice some attempt at agreeing, but, like, when it comes down to it, they'd rather pay their 10% to their church leaders and believe that that money is going to help people, but it's going to build temples filled with gold chandeliers and shit. Like, right, yeah, yeah. like I just it it made me realize like life is a you have to fucking live it you can't just skate by Mm -hmm. you can't like that was what becoming Mormon was about for me wow was about finding a life philosophy that was stable and didn't change Mm -hmm. and realizing that that philosophy doesn't work and that stability is impossible in philosophical terms. Yeah. 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 You, you, you can't do it. You can't be... Things constantly are in flux. Right. And Just realizing all that, like, yeah, near-death experience, it made me angry. It made me just like... Wow. Fuck this. Like, you know what? I'm alive still, so I'm going to fix shit. Yeah. Now, have it fixed anything? No, probably not. Maybe I've helped a couple people. But honestly, what do we... Like, any individual can't fix all the world's problems. Sure. But you can fix some people's problems. And that became the most meaningful thing to me, was individual relationships and trying to change uh, the shitty things that happen to people. Wow. Yeah. That's but, pretty rad. Know, whatever.
0: And, you know, I even wonder, with the whole thing that comes up, again, in the post-Vietnam portions of the movie about... Him finding out that the government was testing this new hallucinogenic drug and stuff like this. I don't even know that any of that happened at all. I just think that right. is him trying to find... There has to be a reason why I right. died. Like, and, and also, too, you know, the big thing is here, there has to be somebody to blame for my
1: death. Right. Okay, so he sees himself get stabbed by another soldier. It never shows who stabs him. Well, no, he, he sees him. He sees him. I didn't think it ever showed. Yeah, that it was it's another like near soldier. the end. Okay, but that actually doesn't have to be a part of a bigger conspiracy. That did happen a lot in friendly Vietnam fire, sure, because of guerrilla warfare and not knowing who's coming through the leaves. Yeah, and because dudes were tripping balls sometimes. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, heroin use and uh, use of all sorts of things, uh, pretty common. So, like. You know, yeah, that could have been his brain's way of making sense of the fact that he got stabbed by another American soldier was coming up with this whole big conspiracy about, uh, this this, is why this happened. Yeah.
0: Again, I think it's, there has to be somebody to blame here.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's our, our brains need, our brains need everything to fit together in a nice, neat little way. Yep.
0: There has to be a name to attach to what bad has happened to me. Yeah. I mean it happens over and over. It's like every time there's a tragedy, we make the the perpetrator of the act famous. Yep. Cuz we have to we, <laughs> we have sure to put a name. Do. Who's the person that shot up that school? Like we have to know. Yeah, we
1: got to know that particular person's name no. so we can be angry at that person as if being angry at that person fixes the problem. Yeah.
0: But even the way that this thing plays out where he finds out about the government, you know, trying these hallucinogenic drugs on them, and that's why they all, you know, kill each other, and this mm. bad stuff happened, and his life spiraled out of control. And then so he rounds up the gang, and they get a lawyer, but then ultimately the government, you know, wins essentially, yeah, and nothing comes
1: of it. Like that's anger-inducing, but yeah, but I think that's also
0: happen? that's also his expectations about how his life has gone coming into play. I think yeah. it's. It's him saying, I'm going to stand up to the bad guy and then still losing. I think that that's his expectations of how it would
1: go. Well, yeah. I mean, definitely, for sure. I I highly doubt that he got a degree in philosophy and then volunteered for the army. Yeah. So they made decisions about him. Yeah. You know what? That's,
0: That's a good point, too. And that would also point back to why in his death experience he's blaming the government is because ultimately... He was probably drafted. Yeah. And the government is definitely why he's there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see Jacob in life being like, I've got to go fight that Charlie. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't Unless, see unless the, the death of
1: his son just made him. Yeah, it's be it, I do want escape, to get away. But that's a weird way to escape. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think. I think. um it's probably... Yeah, he was probably drafted. He did feel like the government had taken control of his life. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe... Like, it is possible that he is hallucinating when he sees himself getting stabbed by yeah. another American... And that he still he never saw them. That it just happened and yeah, whatnot.
0: Well, right whenever that attack starts happening on the on their 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 camp or whatever at the very first of the movie, there's like all this smoke and stuff rolling around. Yeah, like maybe there were some kind of nerve agents that got deployed. Yeah, and that that maybe it does, fucked them up. I mean
1: that final tie that final card that ah, mentioned that fucking final card. Yeah, it mentions the drug BZ, which is actually a neurotoxin that um no government would ever use on their own soldiers to make them be super soldiers. Yeah. Though our government did test BZ throughout the fifties and the sixties to be used as a neurotoxin Mm -hmm. against the enemy. And surprisingly, our government has very often tested those neurotoxins on our own soldiers. Yeah. Um, They wouldn't have done it on a platoon that they had deployed in an attempt to turn them into super soldiers. Right. Because all it would have done was just make them hallucinate and be incapacitated. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not going to turn them into Captain America or anything like
0: that. Do you think that the drug was real? Because that that whole title card at the end, I don't know, man. Well, yeah,
1: because it it definitely wouldn't have been been BZ. It mentions BZ, and it wouldn't have been that. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think in the end that the drug was what happened because all the things that he sees happening like would have just I mean we're under the idea that they just got there right like they haven't been there for long I don't know I didn't take any new I, it into account it seems to me like he is not seen combat up to this point so this is the first moment he's been fired on his recollection of what's going on is going to be suspect Sure. Because he's under a tremendous amount of stress. So yeah, I don't I don't I don't think anything that happens is in his journey through this purgatory actually did happen. So yeah, like I think uh one thing that it that actually might even be though is like um So Bruce Joel Rubin said this about the movie and I, I think this is actually probably related. He says the horror of the movie would be in the revelation that hope is hell's final torment. Ooh, and damn. And so, like, the idea that he's getting this information about this drug and the army drugging him is his last hope. Yeah, there last, was a reason I died. Yeah, there was a yeah. reason that all this happened, and it's his last hope. It's It's his last torment is the idea that maybe there's something more than just the fact that I died in this jungle well
0: and also the the idea that this wasn't fair the it wasn't fact that fair. I died wasn't fair it I wasn't had it
1: wasn't fair and fucking not even worth it right yeah so just worthless deaths the way that that last little title card at
0: the end comes up though really is it really is a bummer. I it's really wish It's intrusive, yeah. It, it, it seems to try to yeah. throw
1: some meaning on the movie that doesn't that need to be there. there. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the epilogue in Suspiria, right? right Where it's just yeah. like,
0: "Man, you just you discredited what you told me the movie was about, yeah. shit." Cuz the movie goes through this whole beautiful process of explaining life and death and letting go and what it must be right. like to die and let go of how you thought your life was going to go yeah. and your unsolved or um you know, unresolved up, issues. unresolved yeah. issues that you had in life. Yeah. And your guilt and your grievance and stuff. Beautiful experience of that. And him finally just coming to yeah, finding his, his son that passed away. He's home. He's in a, his apartment and he walks up the stairs like beautiful. Yeah. And then at the end it's like, did you know the government messed <laughs> with our soldiers? It's like, ah, yeah. oh, man, did that have to be there? Like,
1: yeah. It's like you, you could make an entire different movie about the shitty things our government has done to its own citizens like why why undercut the good message of this yeah with that and and maybe i don't know it's a conspiratorial message maybe it is to just throw you off that one last time to make you
0: think (sighs) like but like there's no reason for it yeah the rest of the film is so masterfully made that just seems really cheap to do that at the very end to be like one more time.
1: Yeah. Maybe I'm making this Well, did you stick around for the final scene when uh, Nick Fury shows up and uh, brings him into the Avenger initiative? Oh, shit. No, I missed that. Jacob Singer, he says. (laughs) Damn (laughs) it. You think your ass is dead. (laughs) Well, guess what? You travel between dimensions. You're an Avenger now. You're
0: inside the (laughs) Tesseract. Shit. Yeah, that, like to me, if the movie was about a guy who got injured in Vietnam and is living with these hellish hallucinations yeah. as a result of this conspiratorial plot, like if this was like con- you know like conspiracy theory with Mel Gibson, right? Then to end the movie with that, you oh damn, those poor soldiers. Right. But, but that's movie, not what the movie's about. No, this movie's yeah. about death and acceptance and moving yeah. on and so on and what it must be like to die unexpectedly.
1: Yeah. Our government certainly takes the blame for the death of all those soldiers, but it doesn't need uh, a drug involved and it doesn't need to be called out at the end of this because it's yeah. already been called out throughout the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I didn't I didn't really like that. Yeah. Yeah, I would early. agree
1: that it, it wasn't necessary.
0: God the rest of it's really good. It's such a good movie, isn't it? Yeah. I do think it's a little too long.
1: Yeah, I it's, I feel like cuz like just before I left I watched it again but kind of scrubbed through. Yeah. And I would just wait for moments where I was like, "Well, I know what's coming up isn't like really integral to the film." So scrubbing through like I I got through it pretty quick. And so there were definitely cuts that could have been made that wouldn't have hurt the story at all and would have sped it up just a little bit. Yeah.
0: Like the whole thing... I mean honestly you know the whole stuff with him getting the gang back together and trying to fight the government and that ultimately just fizzling out and not really meaning anything like I said I do think that that is just a remnant of his expectation of how this
1: would go well and that's also the hope bit like they keep finding new things to hope for as they go but like yeah right Still I, could have been clipped out. The original cut of it was 20 minutes longer. Wow. And most of the stuff that got cut was horrific shit. So yeah, I wish they'd maybe cut some of the less horrific shit and left those other 20 minutes in. Yeah, because like, yeah.
0: that is one thing about the movie is that the movie opens up and pretty much right from the get-go, you're seeing these like hellish hallucinations yes. and bizarre yeah. shit. You see
1: just a a completely destroyed arm a destroyed leg just people and then
0: demon stuff demons
1: out of nowhere faceless
0: people and all this jazz it's crazy but then it's like there's probably about like maybe a 40 minute span of the movie where like yeah it's just pretty calm yeah it's pretty normal Mm -hmm. stuff happens like the pacing of the weird stuff is kind of uneven I mean you know on one hand I could say it makes it more rewarding and shocking when something weird does happen Mm -hmm. on the other hand I could say it made me forget I was watching a horror movie at times Sure. But yeah. maybe that's just me wanting a, a movie to fit into a certain genre. Yeah. Yeah, this you know is I
1: mean? Yeah, it it is worth discussing whether or not this is fully a horror movie. It's hard to say. Yeah, this one it's right there with 7 and uh Silence of the Lambs where it's just like not sh- like it is a horror movie. All three of those are horror movies, but like they don't fit with any other type of horror movies. They don't fit within each other's yeah. sort of Well, there's, genre. No, like, there's no big
0: baddie in this. Like, There's yes. no
1: villain per se. Yeah, so this one's even weirder than those other two. Like, yeah. This one is just like the villain is death itself. Yeah,
0: exactly. Wow. <laughs> and then even at the end that turns out to not really be yeah. a villain at all. Yeah. And that's the weird thing. Like, like you said, even Jezebel seems horrible but then you realize she's just trying to help him move on. Yeah, she is. At the end of it. So it's very, very ambiguous to say what kind of of movie this exactly is, you know? Yeah. One thing that I thought was cool in the movie that again, you kind of understand more of looking back on it is like, have you noticed like throughout the movie in the post Vietnam stuff, he's kind of afflicted with a bunch of different ailments. He has yeah, these, these a bunch horrible of stuff back happens. pains. Right. He gets sick. He has this like hundred and something degree fever yeah. out of nowhere. I kind of think that those are things happening to him on, like, the operating table or as he's being airlifted and right. stuff. Right, those are the pain he's
1: feeling as it, all that's happening. Yeah, well, because, right. you
0: know, it's like you've had dreams where, like, if you've ever had, like, a fever dream and you have a dream where you're, like, on fire or you're, like, being frozen in a block of ice because I you're grind cold. my teeth
1: in my sleep. I have dreams where my teeth turn into powder. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. real physical situations turning into your dream itself. Yeah,
0: yeah. or do you ever have, like... Like, let's say um, maybe somebody's alarm clock goes off and, like, there's music playing. And then in your dream, you hear that song and stuff like uh-huh. that. Yeah. I'd like to go back and watch this again and see if there are things from the Vietnam sequences that are happening in real time right? that are bleeding into his hallucinations. That and would stuff. be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, because I've heard lots of stories about, like, when you get certain types of injections of adrenaline and stuff right. like that, how it feels like ice water is going through your body. Oh. And that could be him as he's you know, in the right. tub of ice and he's freezing to death and stuff like this. I wonder how much of what he goes through in the movie is what is happening to him in real life. You that know, as he's, as he's bleeding out yeah. in the jungle in Vietnam or as yeah. he's being airlifted on a chopper or having, you know, God knows what administered to him to try to keep him alive. Right. I think a lot of the stuff that happens to him in his dreams, well, he's you know, just, quote dreams. Yeah. Is, That's
1: yeah. just the physical or the, the mental manifestation of something he can't, Fully processed because he's in the midst of dying, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. Now, you said you had a kind of an idea about war movies and horror. right?
1: Why aren't there more horror movies set during war, Ben?
0: It seems like a pretty perfect place to make horrific things happen. Right. I mean, you have people at their most extreme, intense moments of the yeah. human experience. It seems like a pretty good time for a, a baddie to
1: prey upon them. Here's my... Here's my answer to that question. All war movies are horror movies. (laughs) Well, there you go. We just made it a completely different subgenre, but it has all the same trappings of a horror movie. Yeah. Look at Saving Private Ryan. Uh Uh-huh. It looks specifically near the end there when they're in that church tower and the German guy slowly stabs Adam Goldberg to death while another soldier watches and does nothing. That sounds That's like one of the most horrific things that would ever happen. Yeah. And it's like we just don't and we hardly even process it because everything else going on. It's so fucking insane. Like, yeah, horror movies are horror movies. Well, it kind of goes back to what we've talked Unless about. When we talk. they're about glor- uh, glorifying war. Yeah, yeah, than- yeah.
0: Propaganda movies yeah. and stuff. Well, that kind of goes back to that whole thing that we talked about about like, why don't people consider Sansa Lambs to be a horror movie? Right, because everything in that movie could happen, and it's realistic and it's horrific. Yeah, but it's kind of like I think that people uh, watch horror movies that that take place in this way. That's like the the bad stuff you're seeing happen is worse than anything that could happen to you in life. So it's somehow comforting to know that. Yeah,
1: that is. Yeah,
0: things will never get as bad as me being chased around by Jason at Camp right. Crystal Lake. But like, if you
1: watch. Uh, you watch the strangers or or the strangers or something. It's like that could happen and has (laughs) happened.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like that's, that's way less fun and in no way makes your life feel safer. Like, I think that uh, I think on one of the very earliest episodes of the show, you talked about how yourself with, uh, with your anxieties and stuff. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's why you like horror movies is because you're like, well, life will never get that bad.
1: Yeah. I can control it. I can watch this and see how that plays out and just know like, well, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Me.
0: But when you watch guys in the Vietnam War carrying their own limbs and their muscles and, t- and tendons happened. and stuff to shred it off. It's like, that well, that, that could happen. Happened. Yeah. I mean, like if we went into a bad enough war and a draft went into right. effect, uh, that can happen to tons of people for no reason. No reason whatsoever. At yeah. all. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think that, that that in itself is probably why those very real life situations never really necessarily translate yeah. into direct Horror, right? Because horror,
1: the genre that we recognize as horror, has built into it. It's a fantasy, yeah. And if it is too real, yeah, it's no longer horror. We can't call it that anymore because what we're experiencing is as close to the actual reality of of this horrific thing happening, right? Like our brains can't even process it as potentially fun. Mm -hmm. Like that's why there's. There's Disgusting. such
0: specific subgenres as like anytime you have, like let's say rape revenge movies, right. like I spit on your grave uh-huh. or a street, uh, sorry not street trash, uh, uh,
1: I, last house on the left,
0: last house on the left yeah, and sure. stuff like that. Like those are exploitation or rape revenge movies. Yeah, there's nothing more horrific than the shit that happens in those movies. Yes, but at the same time, it's like you said, there's no fantasy element. That stuff that yeah, really that happens. Yeah, that stuff just happens. Yeah, it is just a
1: display of a horrific thing that happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, so there is no comfort in knowing, well, this is yeah. fantasy.
1: But this definitely fits into horror because of the fact that we find out all the horrific things weren't happening. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we discover, oh, this is his experience. Vietnam War did (laughs) happen. Yeah. The Vietnam War was real. I'm not claiming. (laughs) I'm no Vietnam War truther. (laughs) Never happened, man. Never happened. (laughs)
0: Prove it to me, man.
1: I ain't never seen that. Show me
0: the headstones, man.
1: All you'd have to do is play Fortunate Son, and they'd immediately be like, all right, yeah, every Vietnam movie starts with that song, it must be real. And, you know, uh, and again, I, I don't want to try to sound too fucking
0: philosophical or deep here, but I also think the fact that they chose to set this around the Vietnam War. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I said that earlier because I think there's just so many meaningless deaths that happened in yeah. that movie. And probably a lot of people that were lying there bleeding out in the jungles were like, why did I die? Why did this happen? Yeah, yeah I, I had plans. Yeah. But also I think the fact that essentially what happens is this guy comes back from the Vietnam War as a ghost. I think it's right. very significant on a, a social yeah, kind of standpoint. Like, even though he
1: did come back, like, he may as well have died. Yeah, because that's yeah.
0: exactly what happened to so many of our Vietnam vets right. that got drafted into a war they couldn't care less about and came home and got treated like shit and called baby killers. And yeah. right? that's why you have so many Vietnam well, vets some that are homeless are, and stuff. You know? yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. But, you know, I think that that's also significant, and I think a reason why they chose to do yeah. that and I will say, man, that going back to that timeline and stuff that we were talking about before, it's played so cleverly. Because as I was watching the movie, knowing it took place in 1990, yeah, I was kind of watching this, going, "Okay, late 80s New York, right? It's grimy, it's dingy, it's ugly, it's dirty." Mm. It never said what year that stuff was taking no. place. you just knew that it was after the war, is right. after he come home. It seemed like he was pretty well established. Mm -hmm. You know, in his job and his relationship with Jesse and stuff. So you kind of just naturally go with the flow and go, well, I know when the movie was made. Mm -hmm. It seems like he's pretty well established in his life. It's probably been several years after the war. Probably mid-80s,
1: late 80s. Mid-80s, yeah, exactly.
0: But then, again, knowing what I did about the movie at the end, Mm -hmm. going back on it, it's like his mind's imagination of his post-war life was so limited in scope and based around what he knew of time at that point. Like yeah. when he goes to that party and people are dancing to Lady Marmalade and yeah. James browns it's, it's 70s music, it's yeah. early 70s music, uh, because he doesn't know what music is going to sound like right. after the war.
1: He know? never sees anyone check a digital watch.
0: Right. Yeah. Which
1: <laughs> was a major indication in the early 80s, of 80s. that it was an 80s movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Digital watch. What? Yeah. Wow. Also, it's like pretty much all the cars that
0: are driving around. Like when you think about the car, yeah, they're, they're like probably all down. late
1: 70s models. Yeah.
0: It looks like yeah. a 70s cop show or like mob yeah. movie car. It's like a big Lincoln or Chrysler or something like that. Like it doesn't right. look like an 80s or 90s car. And one thing that I found was really fucking clever and it only made sense to me afterwards So do you remember towards the end of the movie, he gets in that taxi cab and he's like, take me to the Bronx or whatever. And he's like, I get lost in the Bronx. There's this shot that just seems so pointless. Where it just shows his
1: taxi driver's license? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. And do you notice what was above it? No. The picture of Richard Nixon. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because he couldn't. So it's like Nixon now. So it must have been for that election. So yeah, that would have just been like,
0: 72 or something, right? Yeah, Like, exactly. Or it's just that in his mind, Nixon was still president because yeah. he couldn't think yeah, his mind like, could who make sense. been president?
1: Yeah, exactly. You can't just yeah. know that. I mean, kind you of shit. could kind of guess who might be president coming up because people are already starting to run for it, but like, you couldn't guess who's going to be president in 2024. Yeah. You wouldn't even know who's going to be running probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's why in this cab driver's cab, there's a yeah, picture so of still going to be Nixon because. He doesn't have any conception. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool.
0: And it gets confusing too again with the kids where he's just like, he can't imagine what his kids are going to look like. Yeah, so they
1: always look the same size. They always look the same. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's true. It's really fucking cool. Yeah, it is. I think it's a beautiful movie.
1: No, I, I really, it, man, really yeah. I really love this movie. Um, are you excited for the remake? No. Fuck no. What's <laughs> the point? Why? Why <laughs> are, are you, they making a remake of this? Are you this? excited for a remake that doesn't even have a... a, a uh, release date yet? No, the release date was February, but then they had to push it off. It's like already filmed, right? I believe so. The yeah. fuck, why are they doing this? Yeah, I don't know. Why
0: are they gonna like change it?
1: Mm, yeah, I don't know why they didn't wait until next year so it was 30 years later or something at least to be like, it's been 30 years, but like,
0: let's do this again, right? <laughs> but what's the point of remaking a movie that has a twist? Like,
1: why? Yeah. And, and, like, what like what would you... I guess you would put him in the war in Afghanistan or Iraq, right? I guess so, yeah. Um, uh, equally... Uh, Fucked up. Useless loss of life. Shit, yeah. Yeah. But, like, I just don't know... Like, I don't know how most of this would have played out if you have cell phones and computers and stuff. Like...
0: Well, especially so much as quick would, as
1: technology ages now. Yeah. We,
0: we mentioned this before. It's like you see a movie with an iPhone with a button on yeah, it. Yeah, and you're and you like, know when, Yeah, it's like, oh, this isn't like new. five years
1: ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
0: so technology is
1: not going to help this story. Yeah, not at all. And then if you're just making a remake and it's still in the 70s, it's like, well, why are you even making why it? Why even bother? Yeah. Did, yeah. did you think somehow it would make more money this time? Like, yeah. I, I don't think so. I don't think it... The, we're in a time right now where people want really thoughtful horror movies that deal with tough things like war. Mm-hmm. Like, I think what we're looking for more is uh, horror movies that deal with individual, like, Family issues like it follows deals with like individual inter, yeah. uh, issues. Hereditary. Hereditary deals with family issues. Like we're dealing more with like things that are local now. True, yeah. we're not dealing with war as right. a, as a thing or or death as a thing. Yeah, I, I, it's just not the right landscape for it. No, maybe not at all. you know in a few years when we're in some horrendous war, maybe it'll be a good idea. Right, but. I don't think this is the time. Yeah, I don't think this is the time. It's a weird time. No. Hmm. You got any other thoughts about this flick, Steve? Um, no, I really like it. Yeah. Uh, if you're into hallucinogens, watch it on hallucinogens. <laughs> watch so. it on some dope. Sure. Um, other than that, no, this is a great movie. I, I really, I, I love the message of it. I love the way everything comes together. The writing, the directing, it all looks wonderful. It still looks great. Twenty nine years later. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah, wonderful movie. Um, I would recommend this to anybody. Like, seriously, just watch this. If you've listened to the entire podcast and didn't listen to our spoiler warning. Yeah, really. Still watch it.
0: Yeah, still. I mean, like I said, yeah. I went into it thinking I knew the twist. Yeah. Still really enjoyed it. And again, like you said, it's not a twist hinge movie where it's yeah. just like, oh my God, he was yeah. dead the whole time. By the time the
1: twist is confirmed to you, you pretty much already know, yeah, yeah it's, that's exactly what's up. Yeah. It's more uh, of like, it's it's more of a twist to Jacob than yes, the viewer. It is. Yeah. It's definitely more of a surprise to him. Yeah. Um, If I have to rate this movie... Let's see. It's not as much of a joy to watch as, say, some other horror movies we've okay. done. Um, not as not as fun as a Friday the Thirteenth or Oh Nightmare no, on the no, Street. this, this isn't a popcorn that. watch at all. Yeah. So for that reason, it, it, it's it's less likely I'm just going to toss it on and watch it. Yeah. Um, but I have seen it uh, a bunch of times and it holds up every single time still good every time I still learn more from it every time I still feel more and more like yeah this this is made by people who get humanity yeah like they give get, a shit yeah they do they care and that means a lot so like for me this is a horror classic and really should be talked about a lot more Yeah, uh, I gotta give it a 9.5 9.5 strong dude
0: strong, yeah. strong. Yeah, I can I can back all that stuff, man. There's there's a great making of documentary on YouTube. Did you get the chance to watch? I didn't that? get a
1: chance to watch it. I was gonna watch man,
0: it. Man, I even think that whenever you go back and watch it, um, I think it's just called like constructing the ladder or something okay. like that. Just look up making objective ladder. Yeah. You'll find it on YouTube. It's about twenty something, thirty minutes. I oh think. really? Okay. And uh, it's mainly with the writer and the director talking uh-huh. about the characters and the scenes and how they made everything. It really makes you, I think, appreciate the movie even more okay. because you can tell that they, they believed so much in this movie and they worked so hard on it and they very deliberately put so much into it right? that you can really see how much they cared when they were making this movie, which means they also must have been heartbroken whenever it didn't do as well as it should have. But it does have a huge cult following. It's true. It does. Phenomenal acting. I don't think anybody in this does a bad job acting wise. Hmm. Fantastic special effects. Beautiful soundtrack. Yeah, I love how timeless and weird. Like the movie even looks like you could you could just look at a still from this movie and be like, maybe this movie was made in seventy five. Yeah,
1: that's uh, yeah, that or, is absolutely true. You could easily think this is a movie from the seventies.
0: Yeah, or maybe it was made in nineteen eighty nine. Sure, like, it has this weird ambiguous time feel about it, which I think is really cool. I think it's just this beautiful message on what it must be like to suddenly and unexpectedly be at the end of your life. Right. And be thinking about all the stuff that you wanted to do and oh, the stuff gosh. you planned on doing and the stuff that you fucked up. And to know
1: that like no matter what not gonna get to do it. No, yeah. No. Like no matter what, it's over. Like yeah. you know it's over.
0: Yeah. That to me, I, I think would would be just unbelievably miserable if I found yeah. myself, you know, stabbed in a jungle, slowly bleeding out, thinking about this stuff. I'm never going to get to go home and do.
1: If I found myself stabbed in a jungle, I would be like, "How did I get here? <laughs> Where's that predator at? Where's the damn predator Where's at? That damn predator! Damn it!" At?
0: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's just a beautiful sentiment on, like I said, the way the human spirit just. It, put it this way there's something I read a long time ago about how like the the default condition of being a human is existing it's like you can't imagine not existing you can't imagine the time before you existed what were you before you remembered existing yeah what will you be after you don't exist
1: you are constantly perpetually in the state of existence yeah yeah you you're doing it like you're perceiving yeah. yeah. Like constantly. Well, Even in your sleep, your brain is still telling still alive you things are happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And so after having lived a full life of that and then suddenly finding yourself on this spiritual plane where you're still existing. Right. In your mind, you're like, I'm seeing out of my own eyeballs. I'm experiencing things. Therefore, I must be alive. Yeah. Which, you know, when he's in the hellish uh, hospital and the doctor's like, you're dead. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm alive. He's like very like... It's almost like a very childish thing where like you're telling your kid like it's time to go to bed. And he's like, no, it's not time for bed. Right. He's just fighting it because he can't understand not existing. He's like, I'm awake and I'm experiencing things. Therefore, I'm alive. It's like the default condition is existence. Yeah. And I think this movie shows how how hard the human spirit fights to understand what's happening to it. Yes. And how confusing it must be to suddenly find yourself being dead and still continuing onwards and what that must be like. It's, it's just a gorgeous fucking movie. Yeah. I do think that it could be trimmed down a bit. A I do bit think shorter, that, yeah. yeah, I think that there's pacing stuff that like, okay, again, you could have paced out the, the scary stuff a little bit more. Mm hmm could have dealt with the whole like vets fighting against the government thing or just I honestly think he just kind of could have eliminated all that stuff Maybe. and that would have been fine I don't think it would have made that much of a difference to the movie but still I, I think it's it's a total total gem I think everybody should fucking watch this movie I think it's amazing I think I'm gonna toss this thing like an eight and a half oh, I, I think eight buddy. and a half like it's the kind of thing where after I watched the movie I probably would have said seven. Uh-huh. But it's like after just thinking about it more and more and more and revisiting some of the things about the movie, it just made me realize how much there is there yeah. to think about and talk about it's and a pick deep apart. Movie. There's a yeah. whole lot to it. Yeah. So by that merit alone I'm actually, I'm, you know, I'm glad you had that migraine last night because it gave me a whole nother day yeah. to think about all the stuff Yeah, in this I was movie. saying
1: before we recorded, like, you got it, you got to watch it twice or something. Like, you got to yeah. have some time to think about it because it is, it is one of those that the more you think about it, the more it affects you because yep. it's so human. It, yeah. We're all going to experience this. Yeah, we're exactly. We're all going to go through that moment. Yep. And we can't possibly know what it's like entirely. Right. But it's it's gonna happen and it's gonna be i i think we do know enough about it to be prepared like people who really have prepared for death tend to in that moment embrace it Mm -hmm. and just experience the what it is yeah to die right uh algis huxley who was a big uh inspiration of timothy leary and, in fact, gave Timothy Leary the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Oh, shit. That led to the psychedelic experience. Uh, Al just actually h- had himself injected with, like, 10 milligrams of LSD on his deathbed. Like, he wanted to Whoa. experience the 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 experience of dying. He wanted to really feel it. Damn. Um, like, I, I mean, again, like, th- when I said about the Tibetan Book of the Dead that's probably more about hallucination, it's like... Maybe it is, and, but also maybe they, did, they just talked to people as they died and tried to figure out what they were going yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, you know, one thing I forgot to mention,
0: too, when we were talking about the drugs and the Tibetan uh, book and stuff you were talking about there, too, is there's all this stuff about, like, as you're dying, your brain releasing DMT. Yes. Which is apparently the ultimate trip.
1: Yes, and it also makes you experience time dilation that makes you feel like things can happen things that happen over a period of a few seconds can feel like years
0: exactly yeah Yeah. so which also makes me wonder it's like is is he actually just feeling the release of DMT in his brain as he's dying right. and he thinks I've been poisoned by the
1: government. I'm tripping balls right now. Welcome back to the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> no doubt, right? <laughs> but if anybody got any of that DMT, holla. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but you know, it's like it makes me wonder if that's really what's going on here. Is this just a whole a big DMT yeah. thing?
1: Yeah, I think I think they they did their research and, and really like tried to figure out what that that moment's like and it really would be like it's as much a moment as it is infinite like if if the last thing you're going to experience is this it it's probably gonna feel longer yeah yeah i i don't know though. i mean it'll happen eventually
0: hopefully not soon also to r.i.p to tim robbins neck muscles and spinal column oh there's a deleted scene in the movie where they put his head in a paint can mixer what the fuck? Yeah. You know, that like, gyrates and oscillates around and stuff to to kind of do the shaky head thing. They put his head in a paint mixer and then, like, didn't use the scene. And he said his, like, neck and stuff has been permanently fucked yeah, up. I mean, I those bet. things are violent, dude. Yes.
1: What the fuck? I know. It's crazy. Pretty meaningless stuff. Yeah. Anyway. We're so, going to be covering a big old movie next week. Yeah, we had you guys vote. And we're doing the fly,
0: you guys asked for it. You got it. I really like doing these votes and stuff yeah, I, me too. It's I, fun. I'm, I'm got to tell you dead and lovelies out there. I love having you guys have a voice in how this show goes and what you guys want yeah. to hear us talk about. so expect to see more of these kinds of votes um, eventually. As we get closer to launching our Patreon and stuff like
1: that, there's going to be more interactive stuff where you guys can drive the car. Speaking of launching a Patreon, expect that very soon. Pew, 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 pew. But, um, yeah, the fly, they voted on it. I'm excited about doing it. Yeah. The, the cool thing about these votes is that, seriously, any of the movies would do. Yeah, they would be great. There's yeah. some other good shit on there, too. It's, like, super awesome. Like, we could have done Bone Tomahawk. We could yeah. have done Twilight Zone, the movie. We could have done whatever, but, like... Yeah. I, I really like to see what you guys want to do. And so The Fly, I'm excited. Mm. I haven't watched it in a while. I haven't watched it in a really long time. I remember really being disgusted time. by it as a it's kid. It's a gorse movie, <laughs> It man. is.
0: Is this the first uh,
1: Cronenberg we've yes, done on the show? Yes, first Cronenberg first movie. First one, really? Excited, yeah. Rad, yeah. man. we got to do
0: like video drum and stuff, Video uh, video Man, I'd love to.
1: Existence is one of my favorites. It's I not never a seen horror that. movie, I don't think. Maybe. Yeah. just Well, it's body horror still, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, on next week's show, we talk about that. You guys be sure to tune in. Drop us a review on iTunes. Holy hell, guys, it helps us out a whole ton. Really, really, really. You guys be sure to go in there and drop us some reviews. I think that we have some of the best reviewers on the interweb. Sometimes I check out other podcasts and see that they've been around for three times as long as us and just have like five reviews or something. Yeah. We're, we're over 100 long and strong. Yeah. I don't want to see that friction continue to get on. <laughs> So you guys be sure to rate and review on iTunes. Again, it can be super short. doesn't matter. Just say, love the show. Rate it five stars. It's not
1: the size of the review. It's how much it makes other people want to listen to our podcast.
0: Yeah. Right. That's right. Motion in the ocean. Motion in the ocean. Yeah, the, the, the the heat of the beat.
1: It's the heat of the beat.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of thing. So you guys be sure to rate and review on iTunes. Keep up with us on them
1: social medias. Tell them about it, Stu. Um, at Dead Lovely Pod. Maybe. Oh, oh. on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Jeremy uh, Stewart. It's <laughs> Jeremy Stewart here. And I want to talk to you <laughs> about Dead and Lovely Pod.
2: <laughs> I'm going
1: to be talking for quite a while now. Oh, I'm Mr. Smith and I've come to Washington. oh. oh, oh mary <laughs> oh. i just anyway. make noises i guess <laughs> at dead lovely pot also we got dead lovely horror movie podcast group on facebook First bird. Uh, or you can email us at dead at gmail.com plus we have a discord if you want the link to that it's up on the facebook also uh just email me and i'll send it to you
0: we'll say hi yeah, say hi. well thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode on this very deep and insightful movie about president what happened after we shut the loose let's God, president nixon get out of here <laughs> yeah you guys have just been goddamn fantastic we have been dead and lovely we'll see you guys next week
1: bye bye now we love you Has the song started yet? A doo wee wop, a wee rock, a scooby doo. Is he testing the mic? <laughs> Guess what? America, we love you. I think he's just telling
0: me things off the top of his head. I don't know if this is the song.
1: Y'all ever gone over to a friend's house to eat and the food just ain't no good? Am I supposed to be
0: answering is this the question Yeah, like, I don't know if it's rhetorical.
1: The macaroni sour, the beans all mushed, and the chicken tastes like wood.
0: He's he's just telling me stuff about what he <laughs> ate. Is this a song? Yep. I don't yep. know if it's really telling it me really much is. about anything. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he's just talking about his day at this point.
1: He is. <laughs> yes, that's basically it. And then and then and then one person talks about the things that he has, including checkbooks, credit cards. And uh, color TV so he can see the Knicks play basketball.
0: Is he just bragging now? I think that's some
1: braggadocio. I don't think he has a color TV at all. Is having
0: a color TV that big of a deal? In
1: 1978 it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was huge. It's a pretty big deal, yeah. Like, what put the it that fuck? Way. Color TV? I miss old school rap. Yeah, it was fun. I really do. These are the breaks. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. (laughs) And that was a hit.
2: (laughs) Yep. Done.